Hit us up on Facebook and Twitter. Download episodes of previous shows. Welcome to the podcast. It is the Riot Podcast. Hello, Isaiah. Well, good morning. Where's Nikki? I cannot be sure. Neither can I. Well, she's not here. It's okay. Uh, it's not like she's missing. We don't need to send out a search party per yesterday's show, but she might join it if we did. She. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, well, I, hopefully she's not so drunk either. Yeah. I don't think that's what we I can uh, But she is not in today, but that's all right. We had a good time together, and uh, now you're, you're you. We'll get to enjoy the podcast and hear the good times that we shared. You know, when I was thinking about how I was going to do this podcast intro, I started thinking about what we talked about on the show today, and I feel like we accomplished so little in three hours. What do you mean? I feel, I thought back, I was like, what did we even, like, what have we been talking about yeah. for so long? What do you mean? We had and lots of people. We did. Text in. We, we I don't did. know what it was, but we had some people that just needed to share their opinions. Yeah, we did. And so and we gave those opinions uh, space. We did. We just let we just let the people talk. Yeah. And, you know, I don't always agree with what had to stay. Uh-huh. But I think that we found some good common ground yeah. where uh, the candy bar talk. We That's found right. some good common ground that there are some people with trash opinions on that, candy bars. And absolutely. I don't think either of us are really one of them. No. I felt Our like for the most part great. we agreed. We yeah. agreed. There's there is a lot we disagree on, but with candy bars, we're we're in a we're in the same vicinity. Yeah, and then yeah. there's other people that we're texting in today that are on another planet. With yeah, their I don't candy know bar what opinion. the heck people are doing and out it's there. It's a bad, bad planet. Was, I don't know where where these people are. Yeah. They, I don't know what gas stations they're going to, where these yeah. are their only options. But we got into some really weird candy bars that I don't even know how they would even consider that a, a considerable favorite yeah. whatsoever. Some, some of them sound more like uh, vegetables. You know, yeah, you know what I mean? Terrible. Like I'd rather eat vegetables. I would, yeah, I would rather eat a vegetable and you all know that yeah. I don't even like vegetables whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, but then there's some things that we didn't agree on so much at one point in the show, Hudson tried to convince me, uh, when does it count if you've been to a state? And we had a big disagreement yeah, on that. That was another controversial subject that we touched on that we didn't get, we didn't agree on. No and, chance. And uh, we would love to hear your opinion of what are the qualifications for when you can say, I've been to a state. Because to me, I, I take pride in that I've been to uh, more than half, a, a vast majority of the United States. I've been all over but the we country. we really can't be sure how many he's actually uh, been to. I still think most of mine would count, but uh, but yeah, your, Under my your standards, standards are higher than mine, for sure. Uh, we talked about that. Uh, we also talked about a pair of jean shorts that really were just cranking up a, a whole first date. <laughs> yeah, that was it was, a, it was a rough one, and I was thinking after we talked about that story, I'll tell you. Yeah, the the woman suffered through for her date with her tight jean shorts. It was very uncomfortable for her. It wound up leading some issues. I thought for me, I realized that I have this new thing that's happening now. I think it's because I put on a little weight. And so sometimes oh, okay. during the show, my belly, it sticks out just enough. And it's a combination of, I think I put on a little weight. So my belly's sticking out. And then my bad posture. But to so the angle that you're sitting, yeah, possibly. It's not good. And then 
the zipper, the little, the zipper of my pants. Yes. And it pokes up and it pokes me in the belly. <laughs> and I don't want to like constantly be over here. I, I uh, like sitting across from Nikki, constantly adjusting the zipper on my pants because that's super weird. That, that so I'll just suffer weird. through while the zipper pokes me <laughs> in the belly. And it, and so uh, maybe that's partly why I decided to uh, to dial back the fast food because I want to uh, avoid the zipper problem. The zipper poke. The yeah, zipper the zipper poke. poke. It just well, gets out of position, and then it's a, and then it's uh it's leaving little marks on my stomach. Not here. that yours doesn't sound intense, but the girls' uh, gene thing yeah, I definitely think is, worse. is a definitely little worse. bit a little bit worse. We talked about that uh, at the end of the show. We talked a little bit of Will Smith talk. Talked about his worst movie, his best movies. We found some some common ground there. Yeah. We found some not so common ground there. I don't know if you're a fan of iRobot or you not. Give, but, you give uh, Will Smith a lot more leeway with his movies. Than I, I like do, Will Smith. Sure. I'm, a, I'm a Will Smith fan. Yeah, I think Will Smith is overrated. Hudson is not so much I a mean, fan. Back as you in hear. the day, back in the day, I think he made some okay movies. Now I don't. I just. You know, some people just need to know when to hang it up, and I think he probably should have hung it up about ten years ago. Ah, ten years is a little much, but it's, it's been okay. A, it's been a while. For but Will so Smith. that was that was the the whole show today, yep, and that's you can hear me and you Hudson agree and argue, and it was it was good. You don't even need to listen to the rest of it. That we just was summed it. it all up. That was it right there. We just took the forty minute show and put it into five. So yeah, text in uh, and see if you agree or disagree with us on some of these topics, or uh, join us on the Radio U Riot Facebook page. You could even leave your thoughts in a review. Uh, and share how wrong we are, or how right we are, or whatever. You leave us a review, and we'll get to it later. Nikki will be back. Isaiah, thanks for filling in. Of course, and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> you were one of the lucky few who missed the riot when they were live. Yet here you are. I also like to live dangerously. This is the worst of the riot podcast. Now William Shatner is a rocket man. Remember Ain't when he, he a little bit old to be a rocket man? He's the oldest. The oldest man. ever. Yes, he's going to. If you watch, they they talked about this. I guess it was rumored, rumored enough to be on the news like a week ago. And every single uh, like local news place or whatever, they'd all say to, he's going to boldly go where no man has gone before. You know, because of Star Trek. Yes, he's going to, or where no ninety year old has gone before. Because William Shatner, Captain Kirk, some may remember him as, he will be going to space. On uh, Jeffrey Bezos's Blue Origin flight, uh, it has been confirmed. Ninety years old. That seems like a di- like a, almost a health hazard. How how yeah. can he even be allowed to go? I feel like that'd be so much stress on your body. I'd be scared well, to go. Maybe Will Will Shatner is in uh, he's in good shape. You think? At ninety years old, I don't think anybody he's can a, be in that good shape. He's a very healthy ninety years old. But what is maybe. a healthy ninety year old cannot be like a an average. Middle-aged person, even. Maybe it goes to show how good the Blue Origin flight experience can be. It's like you're not even leaving Earth. Maybe it's, it's like, like it's so easy to go to space. Like yeah. It's not even hard on your body, I guess, anymore. They, not when Jeff Bezos is in charge, he's got it. So it's just a smooth experience. You hardly even notice you're gone. You just look out. Yeah, as far as you know, you he's just uh, po- uh, taped a bunch of pictures of the stars or the Earth from a distance to your window in the plane and you don't even know exactly you wouldn't even flight it, it says the journey will only take 11 minutes so that's not that long of a time yeah. i guess like it's really if you can you can do anything for about 11 minutes yeah and, and it's totally like they keep saying it's space but then again it's technically where it just barely goes out of the atmosphere or whatever so 
technically it's supposed to count, or some might say technically that doesn't count. It doesn't count. I don't, think, don't think it even counts. I don't even think it's even worth it. If you're going to space, like you might as well just be taking a flight that just is going a little bit higher than it usually goes. That's what it's going to feel like. Yeah, well, it's, but it's a rocket, though. But what's because the he's difference, a rocket though? man. When he recorded that song, when he recorded his version of that Elton John classic, it wasn't just a song. It was a prediction of that's what his what life he was, would that's be. That's what his life yes. was going to be. And when he was making Star Trek also. It well, was when, all in in hopes of going to space one day. I think if you just barely go out of the atmosphere, uh-huh. that does not count. I think you have to land somewhere for it to really count. Even if you go to like, what? even if you're in Why? space, no, 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 you no, got to no. land somewhere. No, because if you circle the Earth, it doesn't count. There are people circling the Earth as we speak. They've been up there for years. Yeah, in the International Space Station. Yeah, they landed somewhere. Well, that I, counts. The International Space Station didn't land. No, the International Space Station is they, in space. They shot the International they Space Station They landed there. there. And so they, they are in space. In space. They, yeah, they, they landed in space. But the, the International Space Station itself never landed. Yeah, but it's, it's just, just up floating there. around. It's so up there. So you can't land. I mean, you can uh, intercept with the International Space Station. You land on it, yes. No, yeah. <laughs> You land on it. You don't land on it. You connect with it. Yeah, and then you go inside of it. You're in a th- place. But can you land on something that never landed? Yes, you can. No, I disagree. I, I agree with myself. It's not a <laughs> celestial body. See, if you land on the moon, the International Space Station, you land uh, there, then you've made it to space. But if you're just in space, like in a rocket, then that doesn't count. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I can ride with you. Because like, like you, you're in space, you look out the window, like, oh, it's kind of space. Well, well what if... But the, again, the International Space Station, it never landed. So if you were on the inter, uh, the International Space Station when it started, if you flew up there on the International Space Station and then just floated around uh, like when it was first up there, and then you came back to Earth, you never landed anywhere. See, but but you were on, I feel like it's up there long enough to where it became its own mass. So how long? <laughs> it's its own mass that's like in space. How long does it have to be up there? You got to be up there for at least, I'd say, like a month or so. A month? A month or so, yeah. You have high standards If for you're space. up there for a month, then, then I think you're, I, even if I'd say even a week, a week, if you're up there for a week, then you're you're a part of space what now, if, yes. What if you go up into space, if you go up out of the atmosphere, you're orbiting Earth, but then you come back down? Well, if how you're long high you enough to for? orbit, oh, like, I don't know, an hour. And, no, that does not count. <sighs> You did not go to space. That's not how it works. No, it's like if a flight. Go, you might as well went on a, fi- I, a flight that just went a little high. I've you never, the pl- a pilot took it a little bit high this time. I, I've never been to Nebraska. If I go to Nebraska and I stay there for an hour. You didn't even visit. You didn't yes, even visit. Yes, I did. I get no, added to didn't. my list of states. It's like driving through Nebraska. You didn't visit. You were there. You went through it, but you did uh, not visit. Then my list of states that I've been to in your eyes is very is not, well, it's still pretty big, but it's not as big as as. You would hope. No, no. As I count it, because I don't. No, I don't you gotta don't. Be fly over a pl- What do you mean? You ca- if you drive through somewhere, you do not count that yeah, as a state that you've been but to. But how long? Lots of states take a lot of time to drive through. I, I, do you have to get out of the car? You got. It's got to be an overnight thing. No. Yes. No, it does not. If you're, if you want to count as a state, you got to be there overnight, and it can't be like you stopped in. In well, Iowa, on the way to California, and you spend a night there, like you got to spend the night there. Like no. you got to really be there. And then space, you got to be there for like a week or so. You're way for wrong. that to count. You're way wrong on this, but we're gonna have to come back to it. The riot promise is that they'll always have an opinion on everything they talk about, but that doesn't mean any of their opinions will make sense. This is the riot on Radio U.
do need you to text in because we've got a debate going already. Isaiah and I, we see you seem to disagree a lot more uh, with me than Nikki does. Well, Nikki is nice to you when she's in here. She lets you think you're right when you say these crazy <laughs> things. And I'm going to tell you when you're wrong. And so far, you're wrong. There's a power struggle that goes on in here when you and I are here where Nikki's so nice. And with you and I, we always have to hash things out. Like Isaiah says, we we're talking about how uh, he doesn't think it's going to count when William Shatner... Captain Kirk goes to space on the Blue Origin flight because it's only going to last 11 minutes, which I actually, uh, I could be convinced by that argument. But then he goes so far to say, if you don't stay overnight in a state, you yeah. can't count it on your list of states you've been to. And I think that is flatly wrong. I think that's something that's accepted pretty much like just nationwide well, that if you if you didn't stay like even if you stayed the night uh -huh. and it was like you were driving through and, and you were like you know are we gonna stop here are we gonna try to drive through the night and you're like oh no we'll stop we'll stop that doesn't even count if you didn't like actually well, plan to stay there kind of go check out the scene and whatnot then you didn't even get a stop in the, well, in the state I, I don't know how you can say that because here's a great example I've never stayed the night in South Carolina mm -hmm. I've never I've driven through South Carolina many times. Yes. In fact, I've been to, have you been to South of the Border? I have not. South wait, wait, of the Border. Is that like a place? It's a big touristy thing in South Carolina because it's south of the border of, like, south of the North Carolina border. Okay. And so it's like, as you're going through the highway, there's this big south of the border touristy thing. And, uh, you know, there's probably, like, a big statue of somebody who would be considered south of the border in Mexico. And maybe that statue might not be there anymore because maybe it's insensitive. I don't know. But it was there when I went. And <laughs> okay. actually, I feel like they play that up a lot where it's like it's supposed to be south of the Mexican border is what they're saying. And maybe some of that stuff doesn't hold up in 2021. Either way, it's a big touristy like it's a bunch of outlets and stuff. I don't know. But how can I say I've been to south of the border in South Carolina, but I haven't been to South Carolina. You haven't been. How but then how can I have been to that? Listen, but you haven't been to South Carolina because just being there, like just like staying overnight or just like making a little like a little side trip out of your trip doesn't make it a serious trip. You can't say you've been to South Carolina if you've only experienced one thing. Man. What, it doesn't count. What if uh, I've been to Rhode Island? I went to the Newport uh, where, if, okay, I've been to Newport. And if you go, there's the mansions, right? I've been to the mansion where it was Christmas time. And it was Anderson Cooper's family, the Vanderbilts. Yes. I got a whole tour of that mansion. Okay. I didn't stay the night in Rhode Island. So what? I haven't been to Rhode Island? Now listen, there's a difference. How can I have been there's there? There's a difference. There's a difference. If you made a trip out of it, then that counts. Okay. What? If How I long went, does the trip have to be? You got to be able to be out and about. You got to sit down. You got to eat. You got to eat food. You got to eat food there. You got to go to multiple places, multiple stops. Okay. Yeah, we went We went to the zoo. Then we went to the aquarium. Then we went to the museum. Like That's like going somewhere where you actually experienced it. If you're just driving through through does not count if you drive through stop stay the night don't do anything that does not count if you drive through stop stay the night and just visit one place that does not count <laughs> you are, you're ridiculous but there are text messages that agree with you jim oh, says there? surprise jim, surprise jim says any state you sleep in can't but what if you just go he said okay let me finish his quote any state you sleep in counts as being there 
but uh, driving through doesn't count. But what if you go to a state, you drive through, you sleep at a Motel 6, and then you leave in the morning? That's not going to a state. See, I, I, I mean, well, it that's is what to I me. Said. That's, that's, that's no. my angle. That's my angle. It is, but how is that more of going to a state than going to just one tourist attraction or something as you drive through? Because you got to experience you don't stay it. Overnight? You well, why is sleeping in a state it. make it experiencing Listen, you it? Gotta, because the locals are going to be like, you didn't, you didn't even go to Iowa if you didn't check out this place or if you didn't experience at so least one. Well, who thing. cares what the locals think? Well, that's what they, you're visiting their state. They're the ones who, who constitute if you've been there or not. You can't say you've been here if you've never experienced this, this, and that. Uh, Randall says that flying over, it's the same as, driving through a state is the same as flying over a state. That is absolutely wrong. You have, if you have, can't, if you don't set foot in a state, uh, so I can't count, I could count the whole country if I counted flying over a state. That doesn't count. You have to set foot in the state. And I don't even count, let's say you do, here's where the line gets drawn. You know, uh, there's the place where the four states intersect yes. in the West, uh, Arizona, Utah, two others. Uh, if you go to that and you come from Utah and you put your foot instead of you're all four, that doesn't count. No. Even though that is a tourist attraction, but still, you only it only counts from the direction you came from. But uh, like whatever state you were in, but that that's where I draw the line. Yeah, but you well, have to actually. I agree. You have to experience. If you're just driving through, it's kind of like it crosses the line. If you drive through, that does not count whatsoever it in does any count. world. Adam says he said so. If I stopped somewhere on a road trip on the way and didn't plan it. It doesn't count, question mark. But if I planned it, it counts. I'm with Hudson. But listen. Yes, thank you, Adam. You don't have to plan it, but if you go somewhere and don't experience anything, then it doesn't count. Like, if, if you but go the and then you make a little mini if you, South Carolina. if you didn't plan it and then you make a little mini trip out of it, then that's something. If you if you say, okay, we're going to stop here for the night, and then you go to multiple places or you do some activities, <laughs> then you experience that place. But if you just go, didn't plan it, just stay the night at the hotel, don't really do all that much other than going to the local McDonald's, then you didn't go to Iowa. I think your your standards are too high, but Andrew says we need to hug it out and move on, and I think he might be right. If they keep talking long enough, they're bound to say something that you agree with. The Riot with Hudson and Nikki on Radio U. Isaiah, uh, you might not know this about the show, about The Riot, but we're big fans of, there's a few things we're big fans of. Yes. One is the Peanuts. You guys are big Peanuts fans. Not, well, I like Peanuts themselves, but I, oh, I love as far peanuts. as the Peanuts, the cartoons, the comics. So who who is the fan, like you and Nikki are both fans uh, of the Peanuts? You know, actually, I can't speak for Nikki. She might not like them at all, but I know I do. Okay, And okay. so it's a big deal See, when they reveal Peanuts news. I was going to say, going into this break, because I knew we were talking about uh, uh-huh. the Peanuts, I was going to say they're, they're a bit um, overrated. What? <laughs> <laughs> Can't we just have one break where we don't have to disagree? We don't have to disagree, but I'm just saying they're just a bit overrated. And we can move past that if well, you'd like. I'll, I will admit to you that I've not only seen, because everybody knows, the Charlie Brown, the uh, the Christmas special, the Halloween special, and, and, and many have seen the Thanksgiving special. Yes. But then there's also a bunch of other Charlie Browns. And besides the Christmas and Halloween specials, they're not always all that good. No. The, I mean, the it's, ones just, it's like a holiday thing. That's yeah, what it is. The ones that aren't holiday themed, not as good. Even the Thanksgiving one, I would argue. Uh, you know what? The one where the, because there's two parts of the Thanksgiving one, right? Yes. There's the one where they're like learning about the history of Thanksgiving. 
that part's not very good. The part where <laughs> the part where they're uh, where Peppermint Patty is inviting everybody over yes. Charlie Brown's house. That's that's a, that's a good. That's still a good special. It's a cute little show. Yeah. Is it a go-to for me around the holiday season? No. Oh, so you don't even care about this? Thing. No, not that I not that I don't care about this. I think this is very interesting for some people to like the peanuts. But for me personally, this isn't something I look forward to uh, coming on the television anyway mm-hmm. um, during Christmas, Thanksgiving, whatever time. So you didn't even miss it. I didn't when it was it, on no. Apple TV Plus only, and there was all kinds of weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. From I wasn't a part Peanuts of that. fans like myself. How are we going to watch it? Even though I have it on DVD, so I wasn't too upset. Thank goodness, but I did right? think it was wrong of Apple TV Plus to not share Charlie Brown with the rest of the world, as if we're all going to subscribe to Apple TV Plus. We're not. But uh, eventually, it worked itself out, and now this year, they want you to know far in advance. That don't worry. Of course, you can watch it on Apple TV Plus. All the ho- uh, the ch- peanut specials. You can even watch a brand new one. <gasps> it's called For Auld Lang Syne. That's going to be coming December tenth. It's brand new. For all, what is that even saying? Well, that's what that's the song about that you sing at New Year's. For Auld Lang Syne. Yeah, I have for no idea what that. All the acquaintance be. Okay. For, usually, you don't hear the words. I guess yeah, it's yeah, usually yeah, yeah. instrumental. Yes, I gotcha. Uh, but uh, but they do want you to know that don't worry, it's not only on Apple TV Plus. You'll be able the special will be, but the new one. But the Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown will air on PBS and PBS Kids Sunday, October twenty fourth. So you don't have to miss out on that one if you don't have Apple TV Plus. The Thanksgiving episode will air on PBS and PBS Kids on Sunday, November twenty first at seven thirty Eastern. And the Charlie Brown Christmas, you mark your calendars for this for family night. PBS and PBS Kids, Sunday, December 19th at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Check your local listings. December 19th, yep. 7.30 p.m. Mark it down. Maybe I'll we'll have, have a, to remember that one. We'll have a riot watch. This is the Worst of the Riot podcast. It's a story about uh, it's, a, it's a young lady. She posted on TikTok. She's 25 years old now, but apparently this story is from, she's telling the story that happened to her several years ago. That she was wearing, she was going out on a date. She put on a new pair of jean shorts. They were very, very tight. So tight, in fact, that she was uncomfortable for the whole date. And uh, as the time went on, after the date, like she just powered through. She's like, whatever, like it's giving me a wedgie, but I can't, you know, especially on a date. Maybe you first put them on, it's like, yeah, they'll loosen up. Right? Yeah. Or something. And you get out on the date. What are you going to do? You're going to be excusing for a second? What do you have? Another pair of shorts? Of course not. No, so you're you just kind of stuck with. Pair. Yeah, you're stuck with this situation. And, and how are you going to explain that? You're a, you're a young girl out on a date. You're like, uh, you excuse me for a moment. You go back and you come back. Change your outfit. Yeah, you've got a different pair of shorts on. It's going to raise some questions. Yeah, it's definitely so going to raise some questions. So you get, you get into it. And what are you supposed to do? Well, it turns out that as time went on, a few days after. She was still experiencing a lot of pain in her hind quarters. Uh, and she Ooh. eventually wound up going to the doctor, which is a good thing she did. Uh, Isaiah, what do you think the odds are of you going to the doctor if you like you think you gave yourself a wedgie so bad? Very low. Yeah. Very zero? low. Zero? Oh, zero yeah, nearly zero. There's, yeah. yeah, there's no chance. And I can't imagine Nikki would do that either. No, she no would chance not. I'm going. There, that's what I know is that Nikki would not... Go to the doctor and say, I wore pants that were too tight. I need, I need, I your, need help. your help. Yeah, but, I'm in need of so your help. She goes to the doctor. He sends her eventually to the ICU because the shorts had given her a wedgie that was so tight 
that it had caused her to develop cellulitis, which is a skin infection, and it causes swelling, pain, and uh, actually can become deadly. The cellulitis with that uh, with that infection, because it was left for a few days, and since it was pretty severe for whatever reason, uh, she also had the potential of going into septic shock. So that's why she had to go to the ICU. Uh, she got she was fortunate because what the doctors were considering uh, taking out the infected portion of her hind end. Just removing it? I mean, not the whole thing, not the whole butt, but, but a part portion of your butt. She was going to have a big crater in her butt if, because of the wedgie. But fortunately, uh, they decided, well, we can wait and see if she fights off the infection. Unfortunately, she did. So I guess no scarring, hopefully no other issues. And now three years, she, she's actually with the same guy she went out on the date with. See, I've got two things from this. She's on the suite with the same guy. Yep, still okay, still well, going that, strong. That makes one of the things a little bit tougher. But 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 one thing I would say is I have a lot of respect for her. Her name is Sam. A yeah. lot of respect for Sam because I'm of similar way. Like if I get into a sticky situation where and a part of my outfit's kind of bugging me or something, like yeah. I just power through. That's yeah, just what yeah. I do. But it sounds like she... If she shaved so bad that this happened, yeah. she really must have been powered through. That was through. another level. Uh, like, yeah. Like, she had, it had to have been hurting so bad. Like, if, if, if you had it that bad, then she really powered through. How which was I have a she lot of even able for. to focus? Like, how was she able on her date to actually converse this guy must have been good he must have been good he must have been good yeah that's what i'm thinking and that's where i get to the second point and we've talked about before what i say about first dates how you know a lot of times like maybe the appetizer isn't worth it you know spend the extra dollar Uh and i can tell you one thing this was not worth it for a first date no definitely definitely not not. you if you're chafing that bad on the first date just call it yeah you know what it's not that i'm not feeling it i just got to get out of here that's i'm really uncomfortable it's a great first date story oh heck yeah you just admitted that i've got a wedgie so bad i can't finish this date out that's why they're still together because of this story yeah of course well i don't know maybe he would feel bad to leave her after this true after she fought through all that just like she must have really liked it yeah she must have really been been, been really into uh, it. This is what some might say. This is what we're putting women through. Like, the, ladies, this is what is this what you're going through? As are there other stories like this that didn't develop into a cellulitis infection, but you're still out there because this is what you think you need to do. You need to wear the tightest shorts imaginable. This is you don't have to go through this. No. Nobody wants you to go through this. No, I bet I bet you know I bet girls have a lot of really bad first date stories. Yeah, but this one's pretty terrible. This is pretty bad. This but is it, awful. It's, it's nobody's fault but her own, really. Yeah, exactly. At least her, her date was good. Yeah. At least the date went well. It paid off. It was all worth it in the end. I guess so. Th- this time, I guess. If it she was had worth just it. worn baggy pants, if she wore her sweat sweatpants, who knows what would have happened? Maybe he wouldn't have taken her out on a second date. Exactly. You don't have to try that hard. She wouldn't have date, had to. You know? She wouldn't have had to go to the ICU, but. <laughs> She exactly. wouldn't have a boyfriend. Who knows? Who well, knows? I'm glad it worked out okay. <laughs> I and, guess so. uh, again, this is a cautionary tale. This is The Riot Radio U. Of course, it is pumpkin spice season, uh, but there's been lots of talk about how pumpkin spice has jumped the shark, some would say. It's just there's so much pumpkin spice everywhere that it's not special anymore and people don't care. That's true. I so, agree. So it's like, what's the new flavor? Yeah. And for a while... For a few weeks there, it seemed that they were trying to really push Apple on us. Yeah. Everybody, it was Apple at Starbucks, Apple at Dunkin' Donuts. I Apple, like Apple. Apple here, Apple there. But I don't think Apple is that special either because Apple's happened 
all the time, right? Okay. Like, I mean, I, I like apple. Okay. I don't think it's a special flavor. Well, no, no cuz in March, in March you can't get really a lot of pumpkin spice. No, you can't. In but March, I, you could get apple. You could get you apple, wanted. but pumpkin spice are just that they're overdoing it. There's too much. So too you, much pumpkin spice. We need a new special flavor and I'm starting to think maybe the new flavor is cinnamon bun. Ooh. What do you I, think I about that? Like is that cin- special enough? I do enough? like cinnamon bun. Uh, I feel like cinnamon bun has a lot of has a lot of stuff though uh-huh. that you can get kind of year round. But that's at the same true, time, it's a good true. it's a good flavor. I'm not against it. Am I ready to crown it as my next like coveted jewel? No, but I could be swayed a little bit maybe. What if it was cinnamon cinnamon bun flavored Snickers? Ooh. I, I don't know. You don't I, know I about like that? Snickers. Uh-huh. I don't know how that would taste. Like, what would the inside of that even be? Hmm, let's see. Uh, it is Snickers cinnamon bun features cinnamon bun flavored nougat mixed with peanuts, top of caramel, covered with milk. You know, I bet it's, you it almost tastes indistinguishable from a regular Snickers. I was about to say, Snickers. that sounds exactly like the other Snickers, just with yeah. cinnamon bun flavored I mean, nougat. We have to withhold judgment until they actually try it. They are exclusively at Walmart, Walmart. starting this month. Uh, so we'll have to keep an eye out for those and give them a shot. But I feel that that it's not going to... I was excited when I saw the headline of this. It has and a now, cool package. It does. And it's blue. So you'll definitely be able to tell it apart, but it doesn't it doesn't seem like it's gonna be all that different from a regular Snickers. I'll tell you what though, you know the best possibly quite possibly the best candy bar out there. What is it? Peanut butter Snickers. No. What? Those are no. amazing. They're Those good, amazing. but not best not best candy bar. What do bar. you say is the best? It's take five. Take five. That's too much. What? Too many things. No, it's perfect. The pretzel. I'll take a take three. Five is too many. Take five is the best. I I, I do. Take fives are good. They're darn good. They're not the best. They're darn good. Baby, they're the best. They're my all time. Peanut butter Snickers and peanut butter Twix is what I'm going to. I mean, and just the classic Reese's, of course. The big cup where where you get more peanut butter, obviously. Hudson, Nikki, The Riot on Radio Radio U. So we are talking about Cinnamon Bun Snickers, their new Walmart exclusive that you'll be able to get sometime this month. I'm sure if you go today, they're not there. I no, guarantee it. They will but not it's supposed be. to be sometime this month. And so we got started talking on candy bars. Isaiah says your favorite is Take Five. Yeah, by far. I mean, it's undisputed. I think that's the best candy bar my by fa- far. My favorite is Peanut Butter Snickers. And we've gotten a lot of people texting in with candy bar opinions. Uh, some that need to be addressed. Honestly, some pretty trash opinions yeah, thus far. Like these are real. some pretty bad ones. I uh, feel like the people that text in are always the ones that like are super strong on theirs. Yeah, but it's just always something bad. Like they have to say it because it's so bad. That's I, what yeah, it is. I think they want to get a reaction. Yeah, like, like this is my favorite, and it just so happens to be super trash. But like it's my favorite like, anyway. Like Jim with his uh, almond joy. See, Jim, I like almonds. I like uh, almonds. Almonds but are almond good. Joy can't be your favorite. Not candy in a candy bar. bar. Like, like I'll, I'll eat an almond joy. Yes, will? I will. I, I don't one. even know if I would eat one. No, I would eat one, but but it cannot be your favorite candy bar. It can't be. It almond just can't Joy be. is the one. It's, is it just chocolate and almonds? Yeah, pretty much. And then Mounds is the one that's chocolate and almonds and also coconut. Oh, and, and that right that's there is garbage. just a disgrace. That's garbage. That coconut is a doesn't belong to anything candy bar. It's disgusting. Um, it's terrible. Have you even had it though? No, no. Almond Joy also has has coconut. Oh, oh. So Mounds is the one that's just coconut. Ma- Mounds, is- Mounds is just coconut and 
uh, chocolate, and then so almond, almond joy. joy. Is, almond joy just has the almond on top, coconut inside. Oh, so you, wait, you like that though? No, I do not like that. You just said you would eat I an thought, almond joy. I thought I liked the almond joy because I didn't realize the coconut was in the almond joy. Holy moly, Jim! You don't even know what you're terrible. talking about. This you don't terrible. even know. What I you're assumed <laughs> that the almond joy wasn't the one with the coconut in it. Oh my gosh! Only coconut, anything with coconut uh, involved does not belong. It's no, not, that's so coconut bad. Coconut is one of the worst things. That is known to man see, as far as food goes. See, Mounds just has coconut in it. That, now that's the that's worst. That's even worse. That's, that should just be thrown in the garbage. Mounds is pretty much just coconut. Where Almond Joy, it gets the the almond on top, which I which is better. I mean, I would uh, suffer through, but goodness gracious, I thought it was just almonds <laughs> and chocolate. Oh, jeez, which I would like. I would like that. Almonds and, well, that is a thing, but that's just called the Hershey's. The Hershey's with Hershey's the almonds, with almonds, which I like which, that. Yeah, but who would choose that? Who goes into oh, the candy Mounds, bar aisle and Mounds says— is also dark chocolate, Jim says. Uh, which, it doesn't matter. No, it, doesn't it, does, ma- it does. No, it doesn't matter what the dark, chocolate yes, is. it does. That makes Mounds even worse. Almond Joy is uh, at least milk chocolate with coconut and an almond on top. I c- Would I eat it if I really wanted something sweet and I didn't have another option? But goodness gracious, no. that's a tough one. I can get down with some dark chocolate, but I can't get down. I hate ever dark chocolate. With coconut. No, I would rather have dark. I would rather have coconut than dark chocolate. Right. Well, other people also texted in, like yeah. William, who said uh, that Butterfinger is the best candy bar. Would you like to address that one? Trash. Sorry, you William. Think? Butterfingers it, are terrible. Because it tastes bad, or just because it would? Like, I think if I had a Butterfinger right now, if I had a full size Butterfinger bar. I would lose a tooth before, yeah, like, the, before like, I was done with it. If I wanted to candy my teeth, like have my teeth candied, uh-huh. I would eat a Butterfinger. Like that. That's just, it's not a great flavor. You know, you know, I don't like Butterfingers. You know how it sucks when you get chips stuck in the back of your teeth? Butterfinger is that, but it's worse because you can't get it out. No, you can't get it out. <laughs> it just out. gets impounded into the into all of your molars, and it's the worst. But I do. It does taste good. Oh uh, yeah, uh, no, it does not taste good. I, I, I somebody disagree. texted in Reese Reese's outrageous. I don't even know. What I know that what is. that is. What is it? I'm pretty sure Reese's outrageous. That's the one that has. I don't know. Me. You didn't even know what an almond joy was. No, so. you didn't either. You didn't either. So don't I know put that on me. Almond joy and mounds. I just don't know which one is which. <laughs> what? But <laughs> um, they're both they. Both are not good. I'll tell you that much. Reese's <laughs> outrageous. That's like the big Reese's with the uh, with the uh, Reese's pieces inside. I'm pretty oh, sure that's that's outrageous. That it is outrageous. Uh, you get the Reese's and I think they're crunchy or something too. Stay- Those aren't bad. I've had them before. They're bad. That doesn't sound terrible. Uh, Stacy said, "What is the most underrated chocolate bar?" She says, "Heath." I think oh, Heath, Heath is properly rated. Heath is properly rated as uh, not my favorite. I, uh, I think Heath is good for a. Uh, it's like a ice. It's a, it has a similar problem to Butterfinger. It will destroy your teeth. It tastes okay, but I would not go toffee? down the candy. Ugh. Yeah, I wouldn't go down the candy aisle and pick that. And but it, it's not a horrible option if you want to like put it on a put it in a cookie. Like yeah. you can use it for baking or put it on your ice cream, maybe. It has. I think al- the most al- underrated chocolate. Yes, yeah, so it's okay. You know what's underrated? The Hershey's cookies and cream. No. What? Those are amazing. Those and are nobody so thinks about bad. it. But you get those you get a little so sampler bad. bag that has all the little tiny Hershey's, no. and it's like milk chocolate, dark chocolate, cookies that. and cream. You're going for the cookies and cream. No, That's the not. good one. Yes, you are. Oh my god. Well, what do you gosh. think is underrated? I well, personally, I think I think Take Five is underrated. Because nobody talks about Take Five. Because I think it's the best candy bar. No, that it's 
Okay, maybe it's underrated. It is it's underrated. It's like, not really. It doesn't come up in the candy discussion very no, often. No, like people it, say Snickers, Reese's, like yeah. all, all those big ones. Uh-huh. Take five is right up there. It I mean, you, it's a pretzel inside. Such a good one. It, Worst of the riot podcast. Say your incendiary candy opinion because that's what everybody is doing. Uh, we 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 keep wanting to move on to something else, but people keep sending us things that need to be addressed. As far as favorite candy bars go, we started out uh, to recap. We were talking about there's new cinnamon bun Snickers. They're Walmart exclusive, limited time only, coming soon to a Walmart near you. Isaiah said, my favorite candy bar is a Take 5. It is, yes. I said, my favorite candy bar is a peanut butter Snickers. And that's how we all got started on that. Yeah, of course. Respectable choices. Nobody can uh, dispute those. But then we got people texting in their favorite candy bars. And man, not only are they not... Ones that we would, uh, that are our favorites, which is fine. We can have to favorites. I wouldn't favorites, even pick it off the shelf. No, these are the trash candy bars, <laughs> like no Mounds world. and Almond Joy that people are texting in. And now we're starting to learn about candy bars we've never even heard of before, like from Hardy. Hardy in California texted in, and Hardy says that uh, his wife, okay, my mouse isn't working. Hardy <laughs> says that his, ma- uh, his wife's favorite candy bar is Abba Zabba. And we he said either Heath or Abba Zabba, yeah. both not not. Uh, he said his is a hundred grand. I like a hundred grand. I don't know what, what I say is my favorite. Is. No, it's like caramel and then like right like cr- like crispy. Like I don't know if it's Rice Krispies or yeah. like the little the little like poppy things. Those are solid. Uh-huh. I use like they, those a lot. They more don't when I was sound younger. so bad, but I don't like. I don't like when candy bars maybe don't have very clearly what they are on the front. Oh, yeah. Like if you get a Snickers, I think it has a picture of a Snickers on the packaging of the Snickers. And it's like, why not just make the candy bar or why not just make it see-through? Either way, uh, the packaging, I mean. But with Underground, I always thought the labeling made it look like it was for old people. And so I don't think I've ever had one. I don't think I've ever had one. Sorry to 100 grand. It sounds fine. Solid candy bar. Then I was looking up. I've never even heard of Abba Zabba. And I looked it up. And it's like peanut butter taffy and it's white and it looks disgusting oh. so i reject that uh hardy tell your wife that she needs to pick a new favorite candy bar she needs a new one just a new one yeah not. any just other one, one than abba zabba would be fine we have a lot of people that keep texting in about whatchamacallit which i don't I, i've seen whatchamacallit i have no idea what that is never tried it don't like it <laughs> <laughs> We don't even know what it is, but just, we don't like just it. Just the packaging being in like that beige like color, it just yeah. doesn't look like something I'd want. Well, you know, I was like at some of these other candy bars, you look at them and you look them up and it's like this candy bar originated in 1922 or whatever. And then what you call it, we looked it up, it originated in 1978. So it hasn't even withstood the test of time, like all these other great We've got candy like bars four have. or five texts for what you call it. Jeez, people been love a the what you call it. For whatchamacallit, someone texts him for, like, uh, their favorite is Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, underrated the Bueno Bar. The Bueno Bar, I looked that up. I don't think I've ever had one. It looks good, though. But it says it's hazelnut fill, hazelnut chocolate cream or something like that. It doesn't sound so bad. it sounds like Nutella, which, uh, which we can get behind Nutella. that. I had Nutella oh, on Saturday. Did you really? I love Nutella. Uh, Tim's on a peppermint patty kick. I can get behind mm. that as well. I love Those peppermint. Are okay. Those I love are, mint. I love be, it. They might be overrated. Over, I was going to no, say no, under. No, underrated. Under. Yes. Oh, thank goodness. Because it's not the one you would get as most excited about, but like it always gets the job done. Let me tell you, if you, it's such a satisfying, a nice, cool. It's just a yeah, cool feeling feel, in your uh, mouth. 
I can get behind that, it, Tim. That's it a good gives one. you the feeling that you're standing on a mountaintop. <laughs> what? <laughs> I think that uh, was got, in a commercial. The before. zero bar? Uh, no. Sorry, I Todd. I was looking up the zero bar, too. I think it actually looks pretty good. What? The you, zero bar? Yeah, did you look it up? Yes, I looked it's, it up. It's another one. It stood the test of time. It's been around for years. It's white chocolate. I like white chocolate. White chocolate is trash. It's uh, caramel, peanut, and almond nougat. That sounds great with white fudge. That could be good. It could be really good. I've okay. never had it, but it looks like it could be good. Listen, I'm going to have to go back on my word here. Lisa just texted him what whatchamacallit actually is, and it sounds pretty good. Yeah. Peanut butter rice crispy treat covered in caramel and then covered in little chocolate. Mm. You know so it does sound good. It I, sounds darn good. I'm going to try it now. You know what we need to do, and I'm serious about this. We're going to have to do it one day. It's just there's so many candy bars, it'd be hard to rank them all. But we yeah. need to just bring in a bunch of candy bars and actually have like an honest taste test where you try one one of each and see which one is actually the best. No one said like it's funny because nobody said like Snickers is my yeah. favorite. Like we a haven't lot of gotten the standards. Like, Reese's is my favorite. Like none of those ones. Everyone's like I like the Zero Bar, the yeah. Bueno Bar, all these weird. Why ones. is everybody's favorite it's candy bar so obscure? Has, like, a, everybody who has like a weird one is super passionate about it. Everyone's yeah. like, oh my favorite Snickers. Like, yeah. Nobody cares about that. Maybe if your favorite is a weird people, one. They love it. All the people that have weird favorites or, or uh, regular favorites. Like just the regular uh, Reese's or whatever, they know that their opinion isn't interesting enough to text yeah, in. Yeah, but if you have like a, a weird one, yeah. then you're like passionate to like justify why yours is good, yeah. which right. I understand. But, we're gonna, but some of these are bad. We're gonna have to save all these text messages and and go out and get some of these and actually give them an honest, fair shake. Except all enjoy mounds. We don't want that. No, we don't. We Nothing just don't with want coconut. It. The Riot Podcast Radio View. Right here, I'm excited for this. You are. I'm excited for this. Yeah, so what I have here for you is Will Smith, you know, the actor. One Fresh, of my favorites. He is? Yes. From Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. My mom's all-time favorite. She, Your mom's favorite actor, Will Smith. My mom said that if she could have anyone play her in a movie, she feels that Will Smith could best play her in the movie, <laughs> which is an odd request. That is super weird. But, but she said she feels like she, he, he could portray her character well. Do you agree? I don't know. I don't <laughs> even know what her character would be. Do you see be. Will Smith on screen and think, it's just like my mom? I don't think that you could make a movie about my mom. Um, I you watch? Think, I don't think anybody would no. watch that. No, no. You'd not have at to all. to punch it up a little bit. You'd have to. You'd have to really make up some good stories. That's yeah. all, I, all I could say. So Will Smith has uh, denoted what he says in a recent interview with GQ. He gave his two favorite movies, or the best movies he thinks he's done, and then also the worst movie he said he's done. His favorite movies, the two that he think are are the best that he's done. It's a tie between Men in Black. Yes, love. You love Men in Black? I, I've seen, yeah, I've seen Black they're, they're pretty funny. They're pretty I remember, funny. At least I remember liking Men in Black a while ago. I don't know how I much I would like it now. Yeah, I haven't seen might, him in a long time. It might not be great if you watch it today. I don't know. Probably not. And the other one is Pursuit of Happiness. Do you know what that is? Yeah, I know that one. Is it good? Or that, have you yeah, seen that's it? That's like or? one of his most, most well-known ones. Is it? Yeah, it's one of the I mean, I've heard the name. I just don't think I've ever seen it. It was, it was a, Is it it a was more a, serious? Dra- yeah, dramatic performance. Yeah. Very, very well portrayed character. A lot of emotion in that one. So he says those are his two favorite. Would you like to guess what the worst movie he's ever made is, according to himself? Will the Smith worst? Himself. Is it a popular movie that he's done? Mm, no. Well, then I'm not going to guess it. No, I, I mean, it's, uh, it was very widely publicized. It is older. Um, about, well, I mean, if you know Men in Black, it's not, I don't know if it's, 
before See, or after Men in Black was around the same time. I it was when going, he was just like the name you would go to the movies for. Yeah, I have a lot going through my head. Uh-huh. Um, I, I enjoyed those like Hitch. Uh, that was a really good movie. There's no way. Is it that what he put? No. Okay, good, 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 no, good, 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 good. I that think was, Hitch is, is, I'm sure that Will Smith is proud of Hitch. I would but think. it was just a funny. I don't know if it's, it's really good. It's but. a funny, it's just a funny movie. Yeah. Uh, Hancock, the one where he was like an action yeah. like superhero. Nope, that's not the worst that's either. Not, the not according did. to him. Uh, I've never seen Hancock. I've seen Hancock. It was yeah. just solid. It was okay. It was, right. it was okay. Uh, but what, what, what did he say? What did he, he say said, was? I don't know if you'll know this one. Wild Wild West. Wild Wild West. I have yes. not seen it, but I do know what there it is. There used to be that song. It was like, we're going hey, yeah. to the Wild Wild West. That was a song from the movie. I don't yes. know who did that. Uh, it might I'm have pretty, been Will Smith. I, mean, I don't Smith. know. Yeah. He, well, he, he didn't do the singing part, did he? he I know was he, it Kirk he, Franklin that he, sang? Probably not. He he did he did some. I'm, I thought he had a song in the movie. Well, I, I think he probably rapped or whatever, yeah, but I don't yeah, think yeah. he was the one. Saying, no, he, well, no, that wasn't no, him. No, 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 no. He was, it was his, he was in the song, though. Yeah, so that was his worst movie. If you don't remember Wild Wild West, it's because uh, I think it came out in 19, yeah, 1999. It was him, Salma Hayek. Am I saying that right? Sal- Salma, yeah. Salma Hayek and Kevin Klein. And it oh, was pretty well known actors. Yeah, it actually. was. It was uh, supposed to be. Oh, it was a huge budget movie. Yeah. It was, again, I don't know if it was. It had to have been after Men in Black, and they're like Men in Black did so well, and they're still they're going to give Will Smith another big box yeah, it was, out of the summer. It movie. was after Men. The, the original Men in Black. It was after that. Yes, they put it out, and then it just totally flopped. It, uh, you know the Razzie Awards that they have around the Oscars for the worst movies. Yeah, it won a bunch of Razzies. Oh, and tough. its Rotten Tomatoes rating is uh, two point six. Two point six. Yeah. Holy yeah. moly! They did them dirty. Really bad. It was a bad movie. Jeez. And even I never Will saw Smith. It, even Will Smith gracious. agrees. So. That's uh, tough. Will now, Smith, I, don't, I don't know. Will Smith puts out some good movies. I've never seen that one, but for him to put out a bad one would be know. pretty shocking for me. I always keep thinking they keep pushing Will Smith on us now. Like every time he makes a new movie, it's like, oh, new Will Smith. And then it's never, nobody ever thinks it's good. Like Concussion. Yeah, that, uh, one, that wasn't a great after one. After Earth. That one where he's fighting a clone yeah, of himself. Not great yeah. yeah, he's not had a good run. No, not not recently. If you missed out on the next riot moment when it originally aired, you don't know how lucky you are. You're listening to the Worst of the Riot podcast. I saw the story you shared, Isaiah, that there may... It, it's raised some alarm bells for me. Yeah, me too, as well. Uh, it is that there may be a pumpkin shortage, but... Do do we have more info on that? The pumpkin shortage? It says, unfortunately, one shortage threatening to ruin festive plans is the pumpkin shortage. And so pretty much what it's saying so far is that there's limited stock of pumpkins this year. A lot of the patches just went out of business. They did? They just gave up? So I guess they just, I, I don't even know what that means. Like it, they just they just stopped growing? Is it because growing? not enough people bought pumpkins last year or because they can't get enough workers to manage Lack all of Lack of it? workers heavily contributed. Uh, to mm. the limited stock of well, pumpkins that's this year. Unfortunate. I, I just I think they just say that about everything now though. Yeah, there's a lot of shortages going around. Um the pumpkins I guess are one of them, but I feel like you I feel like you don't need a lot of pumpkins. I was going to say I think we one pumpkins are uh let's let's how should we say this? They're not a necessity. They're a luxury. Yeah, like <laughs> they're, they're not need, a need, they're no. more of a want. Yeah. And also, I know they're saying there may be a pumpkin shortage. Like, this is a real news article. It's got stuff from uh, ABC7 in California and NBC affiliate KSNT in Kansas and stuff. So, they're like, this is real news. However, 
I also have been to the grocery store or to Walmart. You walk into Walmart, you know what you are greeted by? What, I mean, besides the greeter, you know what you're greeted by after you walk past Some the greeter? Some good old pumpkins. A big pallet with a giant cardboard box just well, filled to the brim with pumpkins. Well, yeah, right now it's early. Now, maybe maybe a couple weeks from now, maybe uh-huh. they aren't so stocked well, up. Well, you shouldn't be waiting so long to get your pumpkin. So if you want to get a pumpkin, go get it now because it says this item is limited in stock at the worst time possible. I mean, what other time yeah. would you go buy a pumpkin? Now, well, yeah, you wouldn't uh, after... You've got a couple more weeks, and then why even have it? So but, are you gonna buy, are you gonna be a pumpkin buyer this um, fall season? I, I, it's something I can live without. You know what they also do? They have fake pumpkins. So if you want to make a jack o' lantern, you a don't fake have fake pumpkin. What you don't have to make? You don't have to. Okay, we talked about don't buy a fake pumpkin. You're totally fine don't with artificial trees, where you're not gonna go with a fake jack o' lantern. Why in it's the It's hard heck? to carve a jack o' lantern. No, it's the experience. It's the experience it's a of experience. doing it. I hate scooping out all the stuff. But you could also paint it. You could paint you it. Can, you can oh, draw on no, it. No, that's that's a bunch of. That's, well, you're, you're, that's you more you're, of a cop out than just buying the artificial pumpkin. No, no. If if you're buying, it's fine to buy the artificial one as as like a some sort of you put it out whatever. Yeah. But you also have to have the real one. You you don't even have to carve it. Don't even touch no, it. You just put out just a plain put it pumpkin. Out. Just a plain pumpkin. Just, just to put support it out. the business. Just a just a little little touch of fall. <laughs> it just feels like yeah. fall. Toss the pumpkin if, out there, and that's all you need. What about we? What if we start thinking about pumpkin? replacements as in they have all those other gourds we could toss out a watermelon oh uh, no not a watermelon that's Cantaloupe. summer that's summertime no Cantaloupe. that's no that's not what i'm talking about what are you I'm talking, talking about i'm talking about like the squash oh the squash yeah. one of the most overrated what do you mean what, what's overrated about squ- i think you just sometimes you just disagree with me no, just listen, because you want to make but, the show better but what what is it what is the purpose of a squash though? just for decoration so why can't you just put a pumpkin out because there's decoration. a shortage. There's I guess, a shortage, okay, and maybe fair. there's more that's squash. Fair. Maybe there's more squash and other gourds See, to go around. When there are other gourds, and I, I guess you don't think of them like firsthand, like you mm-hmm. think of the pumpkin. Yeah. But I guess they are folly. They are fall. And you, I, I you think th- you could get away you with it. Picture uh, a cornucopia, a yes. corn plenty. I was trying to find the it? word. I was trying to yeah. find that word, and I wanted to say it. The cornucopia. But I, I couldn't get the word, so I kind of just skipped over it. But I really wanted to say yeah. that one. You think about a horn of plenty, and what's in it? Gourds. There's gourds in there. Pumpkins but I feel like don't without, even fit. Without the pumpkin, though, is it? It's just the squashes. I mean, you're you're being folly, but you haven't fully committed to fall. What? You just heard the worst of the worst. We'd give you the best of the best, but we'd have to find that. As soon as we do, you'll be the first to know. Please follow us on Facebook and subscribe via iTunes. Whether it's absolute silence or lo-fi beats, you have a work style all your own. And Best Buy tech experts can help you get the right tech for you. Available online, in-store, or in your home. Work for you space. Achieved. Details at BestBuy.com. God, what a little bastard. Bye, little bastard! Hello, friends, and welcome back to Red X, your source for the freshest daily Reddit content anywhere on the internet. Promise. Swearsies. Today, we are jumping right back into r slash Tales of Neckbeards. I know I said I'd try some other stuff this year, and I will. I totally will, but <laughs> them neckbeards just got me, man. This is another tale by user Ramtide. 
who's quickly becoming one of my favorite writers. Dang, oh, he's got like this tabletop bent to all of his stories, which seemed to work pretty well for the Madame Vatel story. Some people didn't seem to like it as much, where other people thought it was like the greatest thing ever. I happen to like it pretty well, and uh, it's my channel, so <laughs> that's what we're going to do. I won't blame you if you run away in abject terror. At least this one wasn't posted in r slash game tales. It actually is from r slash tales of neckbeard. So I didn't have to ruse anybody this time, which uh, <laughs> I appreciate. Anyways, with all that out of the way, let's go ahead and jump into this story. Nami-kun and the Barmaid. I recently had one of my stories read on Red X. Hey, and it got me all inspired to commit some more to text. Oh, bless you. <laughs> Hell yeah, guys. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yes, indeedy. And thank you for uh, sharing these stories for us all to enjoy. True to my heavy burden of Eternal GM, I present to you another tale from the tabletop. I really like that. <laughs> Clever. This one I shall lovingly subtitle, A Wench in the Gears. So is it a legbeard or a neckbeard? I guess we'll see. This one was from way back when I first started to haunt my town's local game shop. I just moved to town and was looking to make some friends and get a tabletop group going. Fourth edition had just came out, and despite my misgivings about D&D as a system and staple, which I could expound upon at great length, I knew that it was basically a staple for a reason. If I put out the word that I wanted to run a campaign and was friendly with the local nerds, I could definitely get a game going. I made my rounds about the store, chatting it up with everybody. I started to round up players and collect some phone numbers. I don't like my campaigns to fail to meet or exceed a certain threshold of players. Five is the absolute maximum that I will suffer. <laughs> Three or less seems to me barely worth playing. Well, I'd found two so far when I made my way around the tables where some guys were playing magic. I watched the games and struck up a conversation with the players when they finished their match. Hi, my name's OP. I'm new in town and I want to get a campaign going. Would you be interested? I've got two people so far, and ideally I'd like two more. I do tend to agree that four is like the perfect number, basically. Most people would agree with that, I think. One of the guys at this particular magic game had some telltale warning signs about him. The first being that he absolutely decimated his opponent and was entirely smug about it. Surely, however, these signs weren't omens, I mistakenly thought. A dark hat of a very specific variety adorned his long, slick-looking hair, contrasting sharply with a brightly colored t-shirt covered in Japanese kanji. It's okay, we're all nerds here, and I enjoy anime myself. There's a lot of low-hanging fruit among the local game store crowd, so to speak. How bad could this guy actually be? Didn't matter. I just wanted to play, so I asked him if he'd like to join the group. Sure, OP, he says. I'll join your game. I've even got a friend who I could most likely rope into the game, too. He's been playing D&D forever. <laughs> He's really good. He'll probably even let us run the game at his house. Sweet. Guess we got ourselves a game. I rounded up the three guys I had found and got to talking about a scheduled day to meet up. After sorting our work schedules, we all agreed that midday Sunday would be the day. I asked my final recruit about his friend, and he said that he'd be free. He lives with his mom and doesn't really go anywhere. I collected the phone number of this mystery friend and then had his friend call him, putting him on speaker. When the line picked up, we were greeted with a gruff-sounding, Hello? Followed by heavy breathing on the line. 
I explained who I was and how I got his phone number, while my words seemingly disappeared into that endless, respirating abyss. <laughs> After a while, he said, Sure, come over. I'll be here. Session Zero was a go. I usually don't hold Session Zero games, and I haven't in a long time since I found my core group of players, but I figured it would be for the betterment of this new and random group if they could all interface with each other while they went through character creation. It would let them get familiarized with the setting in which the game was going to take place, and the type of game that I like to run. They were effectively randos to each other as far as I knew, so it seemed like a good way for everyone to get to know each other too. Dutifully, I prepared my campaign notes and first encounters for our game. When Sunday came, I took that trip to our mysterious patron's house. It seems the others had already arrived, as there was a line of cars on the street. I knocked on the door and was greeted by a little old woman, maybe in her fifties, smiling warmly. This must be his mom. I introduced myself, and she told me that her son had mentioned that he was expecting visitors. She let me in and told me that his room was downstairs. The ground floor of the house was cluttered, but well-lived. It seemed cozy enough, and his mother was just so damn nice. She asked me if I wanted something to drink as she led me through the house, and I politely declined, but she insisted, and I acquiesced. She gave me an ice-cold Mountain Dew, <laughs> because of course. She led me to the basement door, upon which was hung a keep-out sign. I opened the door and was greeted with the musky, damp darkness of the basement stairwell. How appropriate. An IRL dungeon for a game of Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> I descended into the stairwell and found myself in the belly of the beast. Beneath a bare bulb on a chain was a large table ringed with chairs. In the corner sat a trash can, overflowing with empty soda bottles and cans, and a towering stack of pizza boxes were beside it that had fallen over. There was another table, covered in Warhammer terrain, and shelves lined the walls, laden with comics, action figures, and other games. In one corner, a body pillow was propped up. A lustful anime girl with a tail and dog ears kept a silent and sultry vigil over this forbidden domain. <laughs> it took a minute to soak it all in, before I pulled out a chair at the edge of the table and took a seat, pulling out my binders and dice. All the familiar faces were there. Across from me sat the fabled guardian of this realm. <laughs> He was a massive, lumbering creature, with black pinpoint eyes hidden behind thickly rimmed glasses. Already balding, despite being somewhere in his twenties, he fumbled mindlessly with his asthma inhaler, drawing in deep, uneven, and throaty breaths. His gray sweatpants and My Little Pony t-shirt hung over him like a tent about a flabby circus, stained with Cheeto dust, grease, and God only knows what else. <laughs> The odor that pervaded the room, I soon realized, was not from the room itself, but the stink of this beast that had long since permeated its lair. <laughs> it was mildly offensive, deep, musky, and rich with subtle hints of onions, curdling dairy, and general decay. Someone had already taken the liberty of opening the only window in the room, which ventilated the area fairly well. We were only met with the occasional breath of miasma. <laughs> At least we were given that courtesy. God, love this writing style. What took you so long? The beast growled. I looked at my phone. I was only a couple of minutes late. Everyone else was early, but they hadn't been waiting particularly long. 
I explained the traffic was bad, apologized, and asked if everybody was ready to begin. And so began Session Zero. I explained the setting to them. We were going to begin our quest in a small fishing village nestled in the spine of the World Mountains, known as Icewind Dale. Our wanderers had found themselves in this town after traveling with a caravan, or possibly just being from the town, and will begin their quest, as all good stories begin, at the local tavern. Rumors abound around the town of missing supply caravans from the east and sightings of monsters, and even things far worse in the mountain passes. It was entirely reminiscent of the first area from the Forgotten Realms video game that bore the town's namesake, Icewind Dale itself, to be honest, but it was familiar to me. A quick and easy setting to cobble together, and I use it as a setting in which to break in groups with which I'm unfamiliar. After they helped the town with one initial quest to get us rolling, they could take it in any which way they wanted. I had them assemble today for a session zero so that they could build their party for maximum efficacy. As I explained that my style of GMing was rather unforgiving. On a long enough timeline, death was a certainty, and encounters would be difficult right out of the gate. This was my reprieve, letting them optimize their party before the quest began. I laid out the rules for character creation. 46, drop the lowest die, and assign your values as you see fit. The lowest total value became an automatic 18. Everyone rolled their numbers and started to fill out their primary stat blocks. Everyone began to roll. I heard the beast mutter a few soft curses, but didn't think too much of it. When I walked around the table, I saw that he had rolled nothing below a 14. Okay, maybe it wasn't as high as he liked, but 14 isn't bad. It's just not outstanding. Nothing to be upset about. I didn't think too much of it, despite a suspicion about the real nature of this behemoth. Consistently rolling that high was a rarity. Did he fudge his numbers? Probably. Whatever. The books were cracked open, and people picked out their race and class. Everybody was content to stick to the books, minus a few questions here or there about whether they could sub out a racial trait or class feature for something else. I'm pretty lenient. It's just a game, you know, and we're all here to have fun. The Beast, however, asked me, Could I use my homebrew race? Sure. I'll humor you, bud. Show me what you got. He showed me a greasy coffee-stained page from his notebook that outlined the details of a race called the Kitsune. He enthusiastically elaborated that Kitsune was the Japanese word for fox, and that Kitsune were fox people from the Far East. They have superhuman dexterity and cunning, making them great rogues, thieves, and assassins. <laughs> God, already. I locked eyes with the canine-featured anime girl pillow standing guard in the corner, my doubts surged, but against my better judgment, I sighed, <sighs> looked at the stat modifiers and traits of this kitsune race, and seeing nothing inherently broken, said, go for it. The party eventually formed. From this point out, we shall refer to our players by their character names. OP, the GM, a fickle god and master, and may be referred to as many names in this story as the divine arbiter of our fantasy world. If speaking by way of a character, I shall make a mention of it. Guy 1, Adrian Windcaller, an elven druid from a nearby town bringing omens of monsters, and his circle is at a loss to explain their recent appearance. Guy 2 was Krong, a human barbarian from the mountains who came to town to trade. His tribe was content to remain isolated, but monster attacks have forced him to come and barter for arms from Icewind Dale. Fedoraweeb, Samayus, a tiefling warlock beholded to an ancient and primordial evil in exchange for forbidden knowledge. He may know more about the troubles of this realm than he lets on. 
The Beast, Nami-kun, a kitsune rogue, came in as a guard protecting a caravan from a distant land. By the way, she's also a 14-year-old girl. <laughs> I died a little inside. <laughs> if a system uses XP, I usually reward XP for a good backstory from my players that ties their character into the setting. I find that it helps to get people invested in the game and their characters, and everyone likes a little bonus. Adrian, Krong, and Samayus enjoyed a healthy starting bonus of 100 XP, my standard reward. Namikun, however, was offended that I didn't think his backstory was particularly outstanding or relevant to the setting, and didn't give him an XP reward on par with the other players. Namikun went on to explain his argument in full. A teenage Japanese fox girl totally belongs in a caravan's guard. She's entirely unassuming. Nobody would ever expect her to be as deadly as she is. So when raiders would try to raid the caravan, they would overlook her, and then she would sneak around and stab them all in the back because they're more focused on the guys in full plate. The caravan guard obviously recognized the advantages of having her along for the trip and decided to sign her on with a healthy contract. I'm the GM. My word is God's word. I weighed the merits of this story. While feasible, it was entirely outlandish, even for a game of make-believe, and I told him that. Still, I did end up giving a reward of 50 XP. It was met with incredulity. Namikun laid it on thick, saying, Whatever, dude. Even though you can't recognize how good my backstory is, it's okay. I'm sure you're a great GM. Fine. Have a hundred XP, I said. Namikun replied, No, that's okay. You clearly think my story isn't worth it, so <laughs> I'll take 50. Jesus Christ. All right, glad that's sorted then. Everybody finished up their character sheets, and we agreed to meet next Sunday to continue the game. On my way out, Namakun waddled up to me and said, Hey, I'm sorry if I was rude. I'm excited to play this game. It sounds like you did your work, and I'm excited for my character, that's all. I was hoping you would be too. I genuinely did appreciate that. The way that he spoke was heartfelt. Maybe underneath this lumbering leviathan, there was a diamond in all that rough. I told Namakun, hey, it's alright. I wasn't trying to single you out or give you a hard time or anything like that. I told him being invested in the game comes with perks and rewards, and that's why I have people do backstories. It's to get them invested. Namakun got the message. Or so it seemed. <laughs> I spent the following week preparing my notes in earnest. I'm always excited to run a game as it's fun playing God. <laughs> I wrote a quick brief of everybody in the town, what they did there, who knew who and why, and just what this town had for our players to do should they choose to accept it. That's always the unspoken thing about GMing. That big if. There's no guarantee your players will ever take the bait that you dangle in front of them. They could very easily say, screw this, we're going down to Waterdeep for blackjack and hookers. And me, well, I'd oblige them, within reasonable limits of course. It's a common occurrence for half of my elaborately prepared notes to meet the trash heap. Next week came around and I returned to the house of Namikun. Namikun was excited to begin our game. He showed me a revised backstory which, while relatively samey, included new details, such as the owner of the caravan being Namikun's father, and that her family had always been nomadic, such that it wasn't strange for them to be wandering through the icy wastelands of the north. They were just on the move all the time. 
However, Namikun's father had been to Icewind Dale before and was fond of the town, and so he wanted to make a visit for the upcoming festival. Here we go! Let's party! I decided to be nice. I told him that I did appreciate the effort, and I told him to take the full 100 XP that everyone else did. After everyone had filed in, the game officially began. In my best narrative voice, I recounted once more the story. Icewind Dale was a small fishing village nestled within the spine of the World Mountains. Rumors have abounded of late that monsters and perhaps even fouler things have infested the mountain passes, sacking caravans and starving the small village of supplies. You've all arrived in this town for a multitude of reasons, and you now find yourselves taking refuge from a brewing winter storm in a tavern known as the Hearth and Helm. As you stand warming yourselves beside the fire, you hear the creaking hinges of the door move, and a figure steps in out of the snow, sealing the portal behind him. A man clad in plate armor shakes off the cold and advances towards your party. New faces in town, eh? Well met, strangers. My name's Rathgar, captain of the town guard. Tell me, what brings you to our humble village? Namakun immediately pipes up. I came here with my dad for the upcoming festival. I'm gonna get a drink now. She wanders away from the rest of the party, who are still standing by with the now-confused guard captain. Without missing a beat, Namakun asks me who's serving drinks at the bar. There's a wench there, slinging mugs of ale to different patrons, and she's quite busy at the... Namakun interrupts again. How old is she? Is she cute? GM, 30, and sure, yes, but she's busy. You gotta wait. Namakun dejectedly shuffles back to the party. Adrian, the druid. There have been monsters roaming the hills, and my circle can't explain from whence they came. I can't speak for the others, but I've come here to warn you. GMS Hrothgar. I were aware. We've been receiving reports from our scouts of goblins moving in from the mountains. All we are certain of is that they're a threat to the caravans that sustain this town. I can't spare the guard to go and cleanse their nests, as it would leave us vulnerable. Perhaps we might be able to enlist your help to dispatch of these troublesome pests. Krong? <laughs> I thought you'd never ask. Where are these goblins? Hrothgar? Travel a day to the east along the mountain road, and you'll find some caves. Inside they've made their nest. Good luck and godspeed, wanderers. We pray for your safe return. And with that said, Hrothgar left the party to their own devices. Namikun was bent on getting a drink from the bar before anything consequential happened, however. Namikun? I welcome to the bar. Is the barkeeper still busy? Game Master? No, the wench has reached a lull in business and is taken to wiping clean some mugs. She sees you approach the bar and asks you, What'll it be, stranger? Namikun? What's the wench wearing? Oh, Jesus, help me. <laughs> GM? Wench clothes. <laughs> Namikun, can you uh, see some skin? GM, sure, whatever. You can see some cleavage. It's good for business, and the drunks tip big for it. I was ready for an endless stream of questions along this line of thought at this point, but surprisingly, Namikun threw me for a loop. Namikun, I tell the wench I'll take a flagon of her best ale. GM, she pours you a glass and deposits it on the bar in front of you, and tells you with a smile that that'll be ten copper pieces. Namikun rolls some dice. I ask her if there's any other way that I could possibly pay for it. 
as I take a finger and pull down the front of my shirt a bit. <laughs> 17 for diplomacy. GM as the wench. Nope, cash only. And we don't do tabs either. Now pay up or I'll call the guard. Namakun begrudgingly gives the wench ten copper pieces and slams back the drink. She doesn't tip, she just stands up and rejoins the party over at their table. Now, I'm gonna stop here and interject with something. I remember being a hormonal teenager, and when I first started playing D&D around 12 or 13, it was easy to lose yourself in the lewd and lavacious mental images of a lusty bar wench whom one could simply m'lady into their bedchamber. However, we're all adults, questionably, in this room. Everybody was somewhere in their 20s. While I don't discount the joy of erotic roleplay, I'll only indulge in that with women. And even then, that doesn't always end well, as previous experiences have shown me. Go check out the Madame Fatale video for that info. <laughs> I thought that everyone had moved past sexy time with the boys. I guess I was wrong. With the party reunited, they finally decided to exit the tavern and go seek out the local general store to equip themselves for the coming journey. This passed relatively uneventfully, outside of Namikun pilfering a few small items from the shelves, much as a rogue would. They then flooded out into the streets, chatted with the locals for a bit, and Samayus even brought some medicine to an old alcoholic fisherman. <laughs> finally, after contenting themselves with the sights and sounds of the city, the party gathered itself together and made way towards the mountain pass. It was here that I called a break, as we'd been at it for an hour or two and I wanted to stretch my legs. During the break, Namikun asked us if we were getting hungry, which a few of us were, and he even asked if we wanted some pizza. What's a tabletop game without some snacks? Come on now. Sure, we'll even pitch in. He told us not to worry about it, and said that today he'd take care of us like a good host should. Without getting up from his seat, he tilted his head back and screamed as loud as he could at the ceiling. <laughs> Mom! Order a pizza! The usual! That poor woman upstairs. I can only imagine how she feels, tormented by the demanding cries echoing up from the bowels of her house. <laughs> the pit hungered, and it demanded sustenance. <laughs> I felt even worse upon realizing that it was his mother, not Nami-kun himself, who would be feeding us that day. It would be one thing if he bought all of us food of his own volition, but to so impersonally strong-arm his mother in defeating not only him, but whoever else he decided to bring into her home, just seemed wrong to me. She wasn't even fostered the dignity of it being a request, let alone a request made face-to-face. -face. No, just a disembodied voice rising up from beneath her home, demanding its needs to be met into all eternity. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that is like a nightmare. I excused myself to go to the bathroom. I went upstairs and slipped ten bucks into the vegetable crisper in the fridge. God knows Namikun will probably never look in there. <laughs> I went to the bathroom, splashed some water on my face, and steeled myself for my return to the dungeon. I took my seat again. And as everyone settled in, we resumed the game. The party had made its way to the mountain pass east of town and found the cave in question. Upon heading inside, they were attacked by a pack of goblins rummaging through a ruined cart and picking through its wares. Mid-fight, the pizza arrived. His mom brought it downstairs. We all thanked her for bringing it down and for having us over while the ungrateful dweller in the abyss only acknowledged her presence to complain about how long the delivery took and berate her for not heating it back up. 
And then he proceeded to ignore her. God, what a little bastard. <laughs> Bye, little bastard! He dismissively remarked that she was making a bad impression of him to his new friends after she went back upstairs and returned to pouring all of his attention over the battle map. Sure thing, bro. It's totally your mom that's making you look bad here. <laughs> the fight was tough, as I had promised my players, and Krong fell unconscious during the battle. That's basically what barbarians do, isn't it? <laughs> but the day was won, in the end, and they gathered up the remaining wares from the broken wagon and dragged their fallen companion back to town over the snowdrifts. They took him then to the local temple to get aid for their wounded companion. Krong was left at the temple to recover, and the party returned to the tavern. Samayus and Adrian rented some rooms like normal people and, re <laughs> and retired to their chambers for the evening. With the session winding down, however, and everyone else indisposed, Namikun saw her chance. That same look of intensity washed over her face as she sauntered back over to the bar. The same wench from earlier was starting to close up shop. Namikun? Hey, baby. <laughs> Remember me? GM is wench. Yeah, I remember you. What do you want? Namikun rolls some dice. I don't want a drink. I want to know if you're free after work. And if you want to, you know, want to shack up with me tonight. He rolls his dice and everyone leans in to look except for me. I got a net 20 on my diplomacy. Namikun was positively glowing at this achievement, looking at me triumphantly. There isn't exactly a common consensus on what rolling a nat 20 means. A nat 20 or natural 20 is the highest or best roll that you can get in a d20 based game. Usually when you roll a 20 sided die and add your modifier, you're looking to beat a target number based on the difficulty of the challenge. A common misconception that has turned into a common rule for many players, however, is that rolling a nat 20 means automatic success. Inversely, rolling a 1 is commonly misconstrued as an automatic failure. These house rules are extrapolated from combat rules, wherein a 20 is a critical hit, and a 1 usually results in something bad happening, like dropping your weapon or ending your turn flat-footed. People have since decided, however, to apply this critical system to skill checks in more recent times, and I absolutely hate it with a passion. Judging by the reactions from across the table, with all the boys shouting, Ooh! and Nice! meant that I was dealing with the common misconception group. I could have set that skill check so high that nobody could ever pass it. However, reading the room, I realized that denying Namikun's sexual conquest of the barmaid wouldn't have been a popular move. Damn you, peer pressure. <laughs> GM is the wench. Here's my key. The room's upstairs, the first one on the left. I'll see you there. And I decided then that the game was concluded. I gave a short and sweet exposition. And so, our intrepid adventurers retired to their rooms for the evening to get some much-deserved rest. I congratulated everyone on their success defeating the goblin hordes, and that next week we could all get together, maybe at the local game shop this time, and have another session, when Namikun interrupted. Namikun? But what happened? Everyone else is asleep, but my character's still awake. GM? You're joking, right? You know what happened. You seduced the wench went up to your room, and banged her. Good job! You won the prize! <laughs> Namikun. Well, yeah, but, like, how? GM. I don't know, dude. The usual way that two women have sex. You guys fucking go to bed. I'm not gonna narrate it for you. Namikun. 
Why not? <laughs> I'm getting rather aggravated at this point. I tell him once again that I'm not going to do it. Period. And that is the end of it. Nami-kun. You're the worst GM I ever had. First, you trashed my character's backstory because it's not good enough for you. And now you won't even roleplay with my character. After all that big talk about how you want people to engage with the story, I go to engage with it, and you won't even talk about it. Every other GM would roleplay it out with me. Why won't you? You don't want to talk about two girls having sex? You're not gay, are you? Maybe I want to roll on it and see how good I please my lady. <laughs> He's breathing pretty heavily at this point, and I'm getting pretty mad at this point. I tell him, I don't give a damn what you want. You're gross. You don't know how to interact with people or respect their boundaries. And you're rude to your mom. You need to sort your shit out. He got visibly upset and stood up from the table. I'll never forget that image. A greasy, fat little man, bright red in the face, spitting pure venom at me and demanding that I leave his house. My anger at the situation paled in comparison, however, to the abject horror that I felt Noticing his stubby little erection, <laughs> crowned by a single wet spot of fabric. Oh my god, dude. No fucking way. You're right, Nami-kun. I need to get out of your house. Have a nice life. TLTR. God. Whether it's absolute silence or lo-fi beats, you have a work style all your own. And Best Buy tech experts can help you get the right tech for you. Available online, in-store, or in your home. Work for you space. Achieved. Details at BestBuy.com. If Cabot Exterior Stain was a chair, it'd be upholstered in rich, full-grain leather imported from Italy. Crafted with premium quality for over 140 years, Cabot is made to bring out the true character of wood and help it tell the story it was born to tell. Cabot, trusted by pros for over 140 years. Available at a retailer near you. <laughs> what a fucking ending, dude. I'll buy the whole story up until the ending bit, but even if that is a fake ending, it is the perfect way to close the story out. Bravo. Oh my god, it's so hilarious. I really like the way that you described how he interacted with his mom. It's just like, the the pit needs sustenance or whatever you said. It's too good, bro. Eventually, I'm going to compile all of these Ramtide stories into one video. You have officially been bookmarked, my friend, and I will be looking forward to so much more from you. Oh, these, these tabletop stories, man. It fits right in with the neckbeard culture thing. I understand there are some people who don't want to wait for the payoff, but it seems to me that the payoff in these stories is damn good. <laughs> we'll try out some more game tales and RPG horror stories and stuff like that. See if it meshes with the channel. There's also a lot of other subreddits that I have my eye on. Creepy asterisks, fat logic, creepy PMs, not like other girls, incel tears, bad women's anatomy. I've been shopping around YouTube quite a bit uh, looking for some more stuff to cover, and this... Trip into tabletop gaming has kind of expanded my horizons, you know what I mean? Started out that I was just searching for the word legbeard on Reddit since the <laughs> the sub moved so slow. Found Ramtide and Game Tales. Okay, we'll share that. And now it's just grown and it's blossoming into something beautiful. <laughs> Ramtide himself seems like a pretty cool dude. 
extremely tolerant uh, of other players, even despite their obvious uh, shortcomings. You know what I mean? He didn't nope out of there when he saw a, a fox girl pillow or whatever the hell it was. He's just like, okay, I'll roll with the punches. I think the last straw was when the sweet little old lady, his mother, started to get disrespected. And he's like, dude, you need to sort your shit out, which is exactly the right thing. I think that that Lardo's probably a, a bit too dense to actually self-reflect at all, but <laughs> hopefully it pierced through somehow. Just a single ray of sunlight finding its way somehow into the uh, deepest caverns of his mind. Now you got me talking all eloquent and shit. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing, dude. I, I hope to see more from you soon. Absolutely fucking beautiful. Samayus loses his cool. Hey, friends. I've really been enjoying sharing these with you guys. People have been messaging me for more stories, and I'm rather flattered by all the you-should-be-a-writer remarks. Believe me, I'm working on it, guys. You're basically there as far as I'm concerned, buddy. These are like the best written stories that I think I've seen. These stories do keep getting narrated, so I'm just gonna keep on going. You motivate me, I motivate you. <laughs> Today, I present, for your amusement, yet another tale from the tabletop. Lovingly subtitled, The Orda of the Fedora. <laughs> This took place a few weeks after my encounter with a maladjusted basement dweller who we now know as Nami-kun. You can find a riveting narration of that story on Red X's YouTube channel here if you're not up to speed. Dang, got the link and everything. Up top. <laughs> after that session, Nami-kun was barred from our tabletop group. Samayus and I butted heads for a bit over the excommunication of Nami-kun from our circle. He insisted at first that, I'd give him a second chance. Namakun didn't have very many friends, and even though I was uncomfortable with his role-playing and behavior, maybe having some good people around him could help him overcome his flaws. I, however, was still shell-shocked by my encounter with that ham-beast, and it had enough of Namakun's antics after just two sessions. I put my foot down, saying, he can find new friends to help him grow as a person. I couldn't stand the guy, and it was not my job to form him into a functional human being. Samayus eventually stopped bringing up the issue. Way to stand your ground, OP. <laughs> Definitely don't have to put up with that. My group was at a suboptimal number of players now. My sweet spot is four people, and we were only three in number. We would play, and I would mosey around the shop whenever I wasn't busy with the game trying to turn up new players for the party. I eventually struck pay dirt. I found Biggie and Smalls playing some 40k. Yeah, get them Warhammer figurines, boy. Biggie was... A healthy boy, <laughs> easily standing half a head taller than me. For frame of reference, I'm about six feet tall. This, however, was not the only way in which he was prodigious. His triple XL t-shirt seemed strained by the sheer amount of human that it attempted to contain. <laughs> His size put even the plentiful bulk of Namikun out to pasture. Never once did I see him without crumbs speckled in his mustache and beard, like cheap Christmas decorations upon a great hairy tree. <laughs> he glistened beneath the lights of the shop, clearly overheating from excitement, or exertion, or possibly both. Damp swaths of cotton peeked out beneath his armpit, but thankfully his offensiveness was merely visual. On the opposite side of the table was Smalls, clad in black and camouflage cargo pants, constantly fidgeting with the strap of a single fingerless glove before he would methodically move his miniatures across the table. He was slightly pungent, as a man wearing a black leather trench coat on a summer day would be, 
but not overbearingly ripe. Thankfully, our local game shop enforced a rather strict hygiene policy. These two were fast friends, regularly coming together to paint armies and wage endless war across the cosmos. What army are you playing, though? Because when it comes to Warhammer, Beastmen or Bust. I approached them, friendly and outgoing, and asked if I could watch their game for a bit, and complimented them on the paint jobs that they had done on their armies. They spurred out a bit about the lore, which is fine, because I do love the lore of Warhammer. Blood for the Blood God, and skulls for the Skull Throne. <laughs> I, however, am poor, and can't justify spending hundreds of dollars on miniatures, so I never got into the game. I do feel that. Maybe that's why I only played Beastmen, because I couldn't afford another army. <laughs> My poll at this local game shop was tabletop RPGs, and I mentioned that I had a group going, but it was a bit low on players. I continued, explaining that it was a 4th edition game, and the background and events of said game, when we met to play, and the players currently involved. And then I sprung the question, would one of you guys like to join us? They both answered in the affirmative, and asked me if I would take two. Absolutely. Who was I to break up this beautiful bromance? I like five players at a session. There's enough people to keep it interesting without things getting overwhelming. And if the party ever puts something up to vote, there's a tiebreaker. So I told them to roll up characters at the current party level, and to bring some backstories that tied them into the game. I took down their phone numbers, and within the week, they had shown me their character sheets and backstories. I gave them the go-ahead. Where we last left off, you'd met our cast of intrepid adventurers. Adrian the Druid... Krong the Barbarian and Semaius the Warlock defeated the Goblin Menace that had threatened the small hamlet known as Icewind Dale. With the town saved and the wench molested, <laughs> the party had begun to travel south, through the spine of the World Mountains, and down the highway towards the city of Neverwinter. After rescuing a merchant caravan from some bandits, they were told rumors of a brewing insurrection within the Great Keep's walls. Spurred on by the promises of treasure and glory, our heroes reached the metropolis and lodged for the night at, surprise, another tavern. <laughs> when the next session with our new additions came around, our table consisted of the following individuals. Me slash OP, the GM. You may call me God. I accept offerings of Hot Pockets, Mountain Dew, and good tabletop etiquette. If I'm speaking by way of an NPC, I will make a note of it. Guy 1, quickly becoming an IRL friend, his character was Adrian Windcaller, an elven druid from the mountains surrounding Icewind Dale. He had helped to save the town from a goblin horde, ensuring the safety of supply caravans to the region. He now searches for the root of the evil that brought forth these monsters. Guy 2, another good bro. His character was Krong, a human barbarian also from the spine of the world region. Having secured the trade caravans to the town, a steady supply of glimmering steel could be traded with his barbarian tribe. He too is set off to cut up evil at its roots. Fedora Weeb. While we failed to see eye to eye over the fate of the now excommunicated Namikun, he was still welcome at the table. His character, Samaius, was a tiefling warlock, bound to an enigmatic entity in exchange for unimaginable powers. He hints that he knows more about the source of the troubles that plague this world than he lets on. Biggie, a sweaty man of bountiful health, and one of our newcomers. His character was Father Alain, a zealous gnomish cleric of Bahamut. A cleric is basically a priest, Bahamut's lawful good, and the deity of nobility, order, and justice. His appearance is that of a platinum dragon. Father Alain preached and ministered to the people of Neverwinter at the local temple. Smalls, the one-gloved trench coat kin. <laughs> His character was Grumadin, 
a towering half-orc paladin in service to, again, the platinum dragon known as Bahamut. He was Father Alain's personal escort and bodyguard. He protected Alain as they went about ministering to the residents of Neverwinter. Already I see problems here, cleric and paladin teaming up with a warlock. Oh boy, at least the rogue is out, I guess. There is going to be some butting of heads, I'm sure. As we all sat down, greetings were exchanged, some snacks were laid out, and I introduced our player characters to the rest of the group. Father Alain even went so far as to compliment Samayus, our resident fedora lord, on how his hat made him look dashing and roguish. <laughs> Grumadin chimed in, asking where he got the thing. Samayus was absolutely flattered, most likely never having been complimented on his stylish headwear before, and he mentioned that he got it at a certain store in the mall. Ten bucks says it was Hot Topic. <laughs> Samayus was absolutely smitten by his lucky hat, saying that it was a great little touch that made his style pop. When he wore it, all the ladies stared at him. <laughs> Just a fact. I took this time, this fedora complimenting time, <laughs> to perform a final examination of the paperwork. A cursory glance at their backstories was met with a 100 EXP bonus and the GM's blessing. They both had good reason to be here in this city and motivations for their characters. Even better is that their characters already had a history together and good reason to cooperate. It would make bringing them both into the session easy. By virtue of their inseparable nature, I only had to introduce one character to the party to introduce the other. It was absolutely adorable. Even in their wildest fantasies, their bromance blossomed. I leaned over to Father Alain, who was seated at my right, and asked if he had any preferred method for me to introduce them to the rest of the party in-game. He said when they exit the tavern, he had an idea for how he wanted to encounter the party and he would roleplay it. They're even showing initiative. Did I actually get lucky and find some good players? I suppose we'll see. <laughs> the game began. The party awoke from their rest at the Neverwinter Inn, headed downstairs, had a balanced breakfast, <laughs> and exited into the street. I nudged Father Alain, and he sprung into action. As the party walked into the thronging masses of people frequenting the boulevard, Father Alain took over narrating the scene. A small gnome sat atop the shoulders of a towering half-orc clad in a chain hauberk, shouting at the top of his lungs. Father Alain, Repent! Repent of your old ways and turn from the darkness! Embrace the glory of Bahamut and work noble deeds in his name! Lend me thine ears and hear the tale of how Io's division birthed a just and heroic lord. He rolled a diplomacy check, hoping to draw a crowd. I informed him that none of the passers-by are interested in a single word he has to say. The party, however, does the polite thing, and approaches the didactic duo. Samayus takes the initiative. Samayus, God, is it real? <laughs> a riveting speech. <laughs> Everyone got quiet for a moment. Expecting a follow-up to this poignant theological argument regarding the existence of fictional gods, Samaeus reclined in his seat. He exuded the unfathomable charisma of an atheist debating a soapbox preacher on a Friday night. Grumadin broke the silence. Grumadin, Should I crush him? Father Alain, No! Despite his unpleasant demeanor, this devil child has done us no harm. For those who might not know, a tiefling is a half-human, half-devil-slash-demon hybrid. Naturally, it's for edgy players only. Samayus was not content with his witty one-liner, however, and broke into a long monologue. Samayus, I know everybody needs a crutch, 
to deal with the pain of existence. But if you just accepted the nature of reality, instead of relying on a made-up god to justify your actions, <laughs> you'd be a lot happier. Believing in a god is for weak people. The only thing that really matters is power over others. I guess I won't judge your foolishness too hard. <laughs> Not everyone can be enlightened by the power of their own intelligence like we are. Isn't that right, guys? I'm euphoric. <laughs> Driven by this weighty argument, his hat began to tip. <laughs> this is about the typical reaction that I'd expect from a half-demon warlock edgelord hearing gospel for the first time. I knew after reading the backstories of Alain and Grumadin that there would be some friction between the party. What I didn't expect was to hear Adrian add to the conversation, but he was a bit of a lore junkie and couldn't resist the opportunity. Adrian, by the Raven Queen. You mind your arrogance or I will send you to see her. Need you be so rude to complete strangers? You insult me by lumping one of her faithful in with the likes of you. What's more, by virtue of your own lineage, you yourself are descended from otherworldly beings. How can you be so asinine as to reject your own heritage just to appear superior? Samayus? Yeah, well... <laughs> Unlike your god, at least my dad's real. Like I said, religion is for stupid people, right, Krong? Krong had a negative intelligence modifier. Krong? Yeah, Krong will smash your stupid religion. You guys are dumb. The party was transfixed on this theological discussion. It permeated the rest of the session as a sub-theme while they went on about their business in Neverwinter, investigating the rumors of a brewing insurrection. As the party meandered through the city streets, a thief stole Elaine's holy symbol, and the party pursued them. Running through the streets, Samayus kept pace alongside Grimadin and Elaine. Samayus, Where's your god now? If god existed, why do you let you get robbed, huh? <laughs> why don't you just have your god get you a new one? Maybe if you pray hard enough, the thief will give it back. <laughs> Bahamut, come down from the clouds and smite this knave. He giggled euphorically with each joke. At least someone was entertained. The thief then dropped down into a manhole in the streets and into the sewer. The party followed them in, suddenly in an underground den filled with beggars and cut purses. Alain's assailant stepped out from the billowing smoke and thronging mass of people, addressing the party. GM is Reinhardt. I apologize for the rude introduction, but <laughs> you look like the type of people who can get things done. You must understand... There isn't much time. I had to bring you here, and fast. Follow me, and I'll take you to my lord. Reinhardt returned the stolen property to the gnomish cleric, apologizing profusely. Krong? I guess God heard his prayer, huh? How profound. They were led to an antechamber, occupied by a young man wearing tattered and filthy clothing, sitting atop a wooden chair at a set table, writing in a book. Reinhardt held the door, and after the party filed in, sealed it behind them, and bowed to the young man before introducing the new arrivals. The man stood up and looked them over. GM as the king in rags. Greetings, friends. I shall spare you the pleasantries of a formal introduction, for many here simply call me the king in rags. I was once rightful heir to the throne of Neverwinter, but my brother has usurped my authority, and he's cast me out from the keep. He now occupies the throne levying oppressive taxes against the commoners of this once fair city. Many have fallen destitute, and now seek shelter here in these sewers. 
Others have turned to stealing just to survive. The city is now on the edge of open rebellion, but it will be put down, unless we have a symbol behind which we can all rally. GM is the king in rags. I would ask you then, friends, should you find my cause just, to infiltrate the castle and retrieve from me my coronary robes, known as the Mantle of Kings. The peasantry know that he who wears these robes has been ordained by the gods themselves to rule over our fair city, and it would serve to rally them beneath my banner that we might reclaim our destinies. What say you? Krong blurted out, God isn't real. Are you going to pay us? Quest accepted. (laughs) And there's where we cut the session that day. Everyone spent a good 15 or 20 minutes buzzing about it. Alain and Grimadin turned to Samayus and say that they really enjoyed his role-playing that session. He was a great antagonistic force to their characters. Samayus, positively glowing from all the compliments he was receiving today, elaborated that he practiced what he considered to be debating against the religious in real life. Every time he saw a Christian outreach group on the streets, he would present them with his bulletproof arguments, using their faith as a chance to hold his skills. This was one of his favorite pastimes. To this day, he had never lost an argument. I interrupted their conversation, telling them that, as fun as it was, conflicts have a way of finding a resolution. Whether the resolution to this in-character conflict was an agreement to disagree, somebody's conversion to or renunciation of their faith, or even bloody violence, it was all on the table, and I would play no favorites. The dice would decide. Alain and Grumadin thought that this would be a cool arc to explore. Samayus protested, however, saying that violence wouldn't be fair because the atheists were outnumbered if it came to blows. He also didn't want to see the cleric and paladin renounce their faith either because it would be cramping his unique roleplay style. I guess you can't be an edgy dissenter if everyone's in agreement. (laughs) I reminded him that a peaceful resolution was still on the table, and the dice and your character actions will be what sees this to the end. Besides, you decided to spark this great theological debate. I figured that you'd be interested in seeing it play out to its conclusion too. We left it at that and parted ways for the week. And we never did get much farther than that. (laughs) Next week came along, and I took that trip down to the local game shop. As I pulled into the parking lot, it seemed that a commotion was brewing outside. I noticed Alain and Grumadin, they must have went on a date, (laughs) and checked out the store that Samayus had suggested to them. They had some snazzy new accessories. They had both donned fedoras atop their heads. Samayus must have arrived at the same time as them, as he was out there too, and he seemed rather upset. I pulled into a parking spot and cracked a window to hear as I watched them from the rear view. Samayus, What the fuck, you guys? What are you doing? Grumadin, what do you mean, what are we doing? We're here to play the game. Samayus, No, what the hell's that on top of your head? Grumadin, A fedora. We liked your hat and we wanted a couple. You, Samayus, You're cramming my style, dude. If everybody wears a fedora, it's not cool anymore. Can't believe I have to explain this to you guys. I hate it when people creep on my style. Alain, it's just a hat, dude. It's not that big of a deal. Samayus, Not that big of a deal. You're ripping me off. That's not cool. You need to go back and return them. And then apologize to me. Grumadin, What? No, that's silly. Samayus, Really? 
Alain. We're not doing anything to you, Samus. We just wanted some hats, Samus. Well, if you won't listen to reason, then maybe you'll listen to force. Samus struck a pose, reminiscent of the horse stance from Kung Fu. Feet shoulder width, arms at each side, balled up fist turned upwards towards the sky. He then lets out an intimidating roar, a screeching <laughs> He was powering up. <laughs> My voice is so screwed. With the reflexes of a cheetah, or a highly stressed farm animal, he goes to swing at Alain, striking him in the face and knocking his fedora from atop his head to the ground. Grumadin leapt into action in defense of his lover, <laughs> grabbing the screeching Samayus. They struggled awkwardly for a bit while Alain picked up his hat and cried at them to stomp it. People were filing out of the local game shop to see what was going on outside, as Grumadin and Alain grappled like the autistic doppelgangers of WWF superstars. <laughs> Even some of the neighbors had come out of their businesses and homes to watch the handicapped children play. <laughs> Eventually, a police cruiser pulled into the parking lot and whooped his siren. Whoop, whoop. The boys broke it up. The cop took out his notepad and wrote some information down. And then, looking both entirely bemused and exasperated, got back into his squad car and drove off. The owner of the local game shop had come out, and he told that troublesome trio that they had to go. They weren't welcome in the store that day, and they all got into their cars and drove off. I sent a text to Adrian and Krong telling them that the game was cancelled. Next week, we could all try again. When that week finally came around, going into the shop, I noticed a new inclusion on the shop's front door. They had hung a sign that read, No hats. <laughs> well, the Team Fortress 2 players are going to hate that one. Does anybody still play Team Fortress 2? <laughs> Wasn't Alain, like, the big guy? He was the biggie in the biggie smalls, right? The set of balls on this little fedora weeb to punch the bigger guy before the smaller guy. Dang, oh, it seems to me that that dude was somewhat of a gentle giant, which is good because he probably could have picked that kid up and just, like, put him into the cement. <laughs> Eat dirt! But really, this is, like, the stupidest reason to fight over, like, anything ever. <laughs> I literally could not come up with a dumber way to start a fight. Like, do you have a trademark on fedoras? I wonder what he does when he sees another guy that he doesn't know walking around with a fedora. He's just like, you gotta take that off. Hey, bro, I'm the only one that wears fedoras in this town. You gotta take that off. <laughs> it's a good way to get yourself punched in the mouth real quick. <laughs> oh, it does sound to me like there is another part to this, but after punching somebody, like, in a parking lot, out of character, like, in real life, <laughs> how, how do you get them all to sit down at the table and play nicey-nice again? It's not gonna happen. One character is going to start a fight in-game, try to kill the other characters. I'm almost positive that that's where this is headed, but I guess we'll have to wait and see. I definitely appreciate Ramtai putting these stories out here. It's just so shockingly entertaining, like, I didn't realize how good these stories could be. Because you basically have two separate narratives going at the same time. There's, like, what's happening in the tabletop game, and there's also what's happening with these people in real life. And... While the tabletop game is mostly adventures of daring do, the the real life actions are usually like the most spurgy things that you could possibly imagine. <laughs> it's just such a dichotomy and I love it. God, if I could read one of these every single day, I definitely would. So 
You know, he's bookmarked. As soon as there's another one out, I'm going to jump right on top of it. Thank you so much for posting these, Ramtide. I just I just can't thank you enough. I hope you guys will holler at Ramtide as well. Let him know that we need more. <laughs> Showdown. The Warlock and I. Care has the power to bring kindness where it's needed. It brings out the best in every one of us. It doesn't just see people. It takes time to understand them. It puts the needs of others ahead of its own. And when you start with care, you end up with a very different kind of bank. Truist. Truist Bank member FDIC. With more time at home, your culinary skills have improved, but don't stop there. The selection and expertise at Best Buy can help you get the latest tech to take your skills to the next level. Cooking chops unlocked. Details at BestBuy.com. Welcome to the final chapter of what has become the trilogy of my quest to build a functional RPG group when I first arrived in the new town and explored the depraved depths of its local game shop. <laughs> Where we last parted ways, Samayus desperately tried to maintain a monopoly on the fedora-tipping atheist market, seeing it as a integral facet of his unique and charismatic personality. He even went so far as to throw blows in the local game shop parking lot, feeling betrayed after Father Alain and Grumadin had purchased some spiffy headwear for themselves. If you're not up to speed, then I humbly suggest you ought to watch some Red X for his riveting narration of our story thus far. Ooh, I just love the plug. Thank you so much, Ramtide. <laughs> Links and everything. Wow. You can find our previous episodes in sequential order at the following two links. Part 1 and Part 2. What will become of this renegade warlock? Will he repent for his sins and amend his ways? Or will he rain hellfire and damnation down upon the heads of his enemies? Stick around and find out, friends, in the thrilling conclusion of this Tale from the Tabletop! Lovingly subtitled, Samayus the Salty. The dynamic duo notified me by text that week that they were prepared to forgive Samayus. They explained that they just wanted to come together and play RPGs. The guy spurged out a bit, sure, but they didn't want to hold a grudge and were willing to let bygones be bygones. I said, however, that I wanted nothing to do with Samayus at that point. Still, they asked me if I would reach out to Samayus and see if he would offer a sincere apology. They said that if he did, then I ought to let him rejoin the game before we convened again. Boys will be boys, and it's not like anyone actually got hurt. If he would accept those terms, it could all be water under the bridge. That's true, boys do fight sometimes, and then they're like, yeah, we're still bros. I gave it a couple of days. I wasn't in the mood to play diplomat, and the thought of Samayus made me sicker than a spoiled tendy basket. <laughs> he had authored my misery twice now, the first entrance being my introduction to his beast friend Namikun, and twice by way of his spurging out over fashion accessories and getting my game cancelled. I never did reach out to him. About midway through the week, he gave me a call. I let it ring for a little bit before I picked it up. OP? Yeah. Samayus? Hey, man. OP? What? Samayus? About last weekend, I... I, uh... OP? Spit it out. Samayus? You need to kick Grumadin and Alain out of the group. I hung up, put my phone on silent, 
and laughed like a bedlamite for the next few minutes while my phone rang off the hook. <laughs> That's the right move. He had to be joking, right? The air raid sirens were sounding in the distance and the world was turning red. I had my moment and eventually I came back. Samayus had given up on trying to call at this point and had taken to sending me an endless deluge of text messages, all of which I steadfastly ignored. I made up my mind. He was out of the group. After starting a fight with one of my players, he expressed no remorse and demanded that I throw them out instead of him? <laughs> you are so done, dude. I started a group chat with the four remaining players and sent out the message. Samayus would not be a part of our next session. We would continue without him. Alain asked what happened, and if I had reached out to our wayward weeaboo, and I said no. I was putting my foot down. I asked everyone if maybe they wanted to reschedule for a different day, or perhaps someone else could host, hoping that we could just avoid encountering our party's former warlock entirely. Grumadin had a busy schedule, however, and the schedule we had already formed was the only one that would work for him, and nobody was really in a spot to accommodate our group. I didn't want to punish Grumadin by excluding him, so... We held on to the prearranged time and place to run our campaign. The week flew by, and the time at long last came to reconvene. I arrived rather early at the local game shop that day, chuckled to myself at the freshly printed NO HATS sign on the way in, headed to my favorite table, and grabbed a seat. I laid out my binders and dice, grabbed a sandwich out of the lunch I had brought on the way, and I started to play on my phone while I waited for the others. I felt a sinister presence approaching the table, and I looked up. Samayus was walking slowly towards me. Had he been waiting for me? Today he was dressed differently. The neon anime shirts and fashionably tattered blue jeans that usually graced his frame were gone. He wore a leather jacket, and beneath it, all black, accented, of course, with specks of dandruff and oily smears. <laughs> a couple of those punk rocker-style spike bracelets adorned his lard-infused wrists. His hands were white, tightly gripping the lucky fedora that he could no longer wear inside the shop, while his greasy hair flowed dramatically in the breeze of central AC. <laughs> the soft, padded step of sneakers had been replaced by the hard clunk of black leather platform boots against the tile floor as he advanced. What stood out to me the most, however, were his eyes. For this very special occasion... Samayu spared no expense. <laughs> Beneath his guy liner, he was wearing bright green cat pupil contacts. When we locked eyes, he grinned at me. Vampire fangs. I, <laughs> I did everything in my power to resist fleeing or placing my palm to my forehead, while a tumbleweed rolled across the local game shop floor, heralding our final standoff. Today, Samayus meant business and I had truly met my match. He approached, watching me like a predator would watch its quarry as it moved in for the kill, and without saying a word, grabbed the back of a chair and pulled it out. His movements were controlled and deliberate as he took that seat. We stared each other down, not a word passing between us. The tension was thicker than even Samayus himself, and I could feel him trying to explode my head by raw force of will. <laughs> I'll never know how I survived his psychic bombardment. <laughs> You're so lucky, OP. <laughs> Finally, I broke the silence. OP, 
What do you want, Samayus? Samayus? I do not know the Samayus you speak of. There's no one here by that name. He must still be getting used to this outfit. Samayus struggled to form words with the vampiric mandibles that filled his mouth, speaking in a lisping growl. Spit dribbled into his goatee and flew from his mouth with every sentence. <laughs> he paused to wipe his chin, and I repeated my question, sharpening my tone. OP, what do you want, Samayus? Samayus, do you want to know why I play a warlock? OP, is it because you're an edgelord? <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Samayus, I never told you this when I first met you because... I knew you wouldn't believe me. I know most people don't want to tell them at first, but they come to realize that it's true. I play a warlock because I am a warlock. Oh boy. (laughs) I made a pact with a demon years ago in exchange for my soul. I know you can sense it. Every mortal can. OP. Meds. Take them now. Samayus bared his fangs and hissed at me. (laughs) I could see the saliva bubbling around his plastic teeth and streaking down his chin, and a few droplets even flew from his mouth and landed on the table. I grabbed a napkin out of my lunch and wiped up the dribble while I contemplated the cruel fate that I had met. It was all over now. He was going to spit at me until I died. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, horrible death indeed, Samayus. It wasn't easy. The transformation was painful, <laughs> but what he gave me was worth it. Do you know what that demon gave me in exchange for my soul? Autism? <laughs> oh, you got me good. <laughs> got he! <laughs> <laughs> Samayus. He gave me power, OP. Real power. Power to crush those who dishonor and disobey me. I thought we were friends, but everyone here betrayed me. You betrayed me, and you will pay the price. And then, when I'm done with you, I'll have my revenge on the rest. OP, you punched Elaine because he bought a hat. (laughs) (laughs) Samayus, rationalize it however you want, but it's too late for all of you now. You've provoked my wrath, and you will regret it. OP, I'm regretting a lot more than just your wrath, Samayus. He then produced a pocket journal and a pen out of his jacket. The infernal wizard had revealed his tome of unholy incantations, (laughs) and he stood at the ready, ready to read my doom from its pages. (laughs) I had to act fast, lest my fate be sealed and I succumb to its wicked spell. Instinct compelled me, and my arm shot out from across the table and snatched the book from the mage's claws. (laughs) I love it. OP, what's this? Samuel shrieked like a banshee and tried to grab it back, but I held him at length with one hand while I opened it with the other, the shop owner yelled at us to knock it off or he'd kick us out, and Samayus sunk into his chair, glaring in anger at the shop owner who had now returned to his business. Were you going to shoot a fireball at the owner too, Samayus? 
It didn't take long, however, for him to return his attentions to me. Samayus, give it back! OP, or what? He bared his teeth and hissed once more, <laughs> matting his beard with drool. His breathing grew jagged and uneven. I could smell his unbrushed teeth from across the table as he hyperventilated through his dollar store costume. <laughs> OP, you're already on thin ice here, dude. And I know you don't want to be kicked out for good. No, you can't have this back. I think I'm going to keep this book for a while and read your fan fiction. <laughs> Stripped of his source of power, his eyes grew wet. <laughs> he tried to blink away the forming tears. The demon that had enslaved this poor soul seemed to be losing its hold. <laughs> Between the moisture in his eyes and the motion of his blinking, his contact lens shifted out of place and he shuffled off to the bathroom to realign his demonic possession in quiet shame. <laughs> I took the time to leisurely thumb through his notebook. Between crude pentagrams, gibberish posing as incantations, and shadowy figures drawn in black ballpoint pen, it was fraught with whining journal entries chronicling his arguments with his parents, petty vendettas against his friends, and women's rejections. It was a mighty sorcerer's tome indeed. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Eventually, he returned to the table where I sat, his contact lens restored, but his confidence and guy liner forever shattered. <laughs> Samayus, give it back or I'll lay a curse on you. He lifted his hands and wiggled his fingertips at me. <laughs> Is this real life, though? Oh, I was shaken in my combat boots from this threatening gesture. He was desperate to recover this book. Who knows what extent he would go to to retrieve it. This tome might be the source of his powers. And with it, I held all the cards. It was better to not give it up and to see this fight through to the end. OP, do you know why I like being the Game Master, Samayus? Because I'm God. God makes the rules. Now I've got your fucking diary. And I'll gladly read this out loud to the whole game shop. And don't you think for a moment that I won't. So listen closely because I'm going to lay down the rules and I'm only going to do this once. I spelled out my terms for his unconditional surrender. I was going to keep his diary. Permanently. If he ever approached anyone at this local game shop in a way that I didn't like, interrupted my game, or even so much as approached me again, I was going to spill all his... Satanic knowledge to the rest of the nerds in full, lurid detail. Every last bit, from his alleged demonic possession to him thinking his mom was a bitch for telling him to get a job. <laughs> All the way back to when Stacy rejected him, despite him holding the door and tipping his hat. I slipped the book into my backpack, and I tucked my pack between my legs. With my turn set... I told him to get the hell out of my player's seat. He was dumbstruck. At length, he stood up and pushed in the chair as he bitterly lisped, You regret this, Dungeon Master. And he moved to the far end of the shop. <laughs> he picked a comic off of one of the shelves and sat down at an empty table to quietly read it by himself. One by one, my players filed in and took their seats at the table paying no mind to the dejected form of Samayus lurking in the fringes of the shop. We began our game from where we left off. Every so often, when somebody would laugh or cheer, 
I would catch Samayus looking forlornly at the table, where he was once welcome. Samayus eventually did apologize to everyone for his behavior over the course of a couple months, albeit one at a time, but I still didn't let him back into the group. Our party went on to campaign for many months with minimal issues, and we all became fast friends. Under the threat of social shame, Samayus kept his behavior in line. We never spoke much after that, content to exchange nods of acknowledgement to one another from afar. I approached him one day, his book in hand, and asked him if we were cool. He replied that we were, and I returned it to its rightful owner. The no hat sign, however, never came down. <laughs> and that concludes this noteworthy portion of this particular tabletop group in which I participated. This is not the end, however. Take heart, my friends, for we have only scratched the surface of the naked neck beardery to which I have been privileged in my extensive career as a game master. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this particular trilogy, and I look forward to bringing you yet another sordid tale from the tabletop. Until next we meet, friends. Goodbye, Ramtide. Goodbye. I miss you. Goodbye. God. <laughs> the way that Samaeus was described as like a, a mage the entire time. His little spell book. Oh, God. It couldn't have been any better. Honestly, I think that was quite a fitting end. I'm sort of sad that he didn't get let back into the group because surely that would have led to even more stories. An absolute epic of sorts. <laughs> but a trilogy will definitely suffice. I'll cut these together at some point and it can get its own full length video, which I think will be over an hour. So you can look forward to that. The The dry responses from Ramtide are just <laughs> the best. <laughs> it's like dudes all, I'm going to have my revenge. And Opie's like, I mean, you punched him for wearing a hat, bro. <laughs> You're the one that's being insane here. I don't know if he actually wiggled his fingers and stuff like that, but I hope that he did. I hope to God that he did. This sort of beardery is just <laughs> so unprecedented. Wow. I also think that you did a good thing by eventually giving him the book back. I mean, what are you going to keep it for anyways? You probably read the entire thing. Photocopy all the pages. Oh, that's the move to make. Then you still have a copy of his spell book, should he decide that he changed his mind. <laughs> ah, big brain time. I'm definitely enjoying these stories. I'm going to go dig through RPG horror stories, I think. Uh, that'll be the next, the next episode for tomorrow, and we'll see how it goes. Nice guys seem to have performed halfway decently, more decently than I thought, at least. So we'll see if we can continue mixing up the content. You know, beard story, random subreddit, beard story, random subreddit, back and forth, until we uh, eventually go insane. <laughs> uh, but may none of us go as insane as Samayus. And in order to ward off that incantation, I'm going to need you to do all of the following, okay? Follow this list closely, alright? Like the video comment on the video, and subscribe. And also, maybe even share it if you really want to make sure that the incantation is strong. <laughs> We've also got a link swarm down in the description. I hope you check that out. You can support monetarily through PayPal or Patreon. And you can support me socially through Twitter or Discord or Facebook or on my other channel. Because it's always nice to have that cross-platform pollination. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> And of course, I would be remiss if I did not thank my beautiful, gorgeous, generous patrons, Lady Nick, Crimson Albedo, Dot Nathan, Robert Waits, Just Austin, Pope Squid, Rebecca H., Cider Drinker, and Tato Ferret. 
Thank you guys so much for helping me to live the dream, assisting me on my journey towards ascension. <laughs> but I'll totally be a paladin, not a warlock. Don't worry about that. <laughs> if anybody else wants to support monetarily, I mean, that is always massively appreciated. But if you can't right now, don't worry about it, bros. I just appreciate you hanging out with me today. And I definitely hope that you'll come back and join us again tomorrow. In order to do so, you will need to take care of yourself physically. Do not forget to wash your hands. Keep yourself clean. Have you been putting off that shower? Go take it right now. <laughs> and also mentally, definitely take some time out and do something that you enjoy today. Something that makes your heart sing. Because you are loved, you are worthy, and you definitely, definitely deserve it. I will see you in the next one, friends. And until then, bye-bye. With more time at home, your culinary skills have improved, but don't stop there. The selection and expertise at Best Buy can help you get the latest tech to take your skills to the next level. Cooking chops unlocked. Details at BestBuy.com. This moment of relief brought to you by your local State Farm agent, who also brings relief with all your auto insurance needs. Call State Farm agent Wayne Gresham in Decatur today. episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. Live from a basement in Dubuque, Iowa. I bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. 30 minutes from the Field of Dreams and four hours from the closest professional sports team. It's not a lie if you believe it. On the banks of the Mississippi River. I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you. It's the Degenerate Sports Betting Show with Matthew Friedman. That's what I do. I drink and I know things. And now your host, Matthew Friedman. Hello, everyone. I'm Matt Friedman, Matt F. The Oracle. Welcome to the Degenerate Sports Betting Show, brought to you by Bets TV and sponsored by the FTN Network, where you can get all the season-long and daily fantasy and sports betting content your degenerate heart desires, including my fantasy football write-ups and all of my NFL sides, totals, and player props. Use the highly original promo code FREEDMAN for 20% off at FTN. That is FREEDMAN for 20% off at FTN. Thanks for checking out the show. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel for Bets TV and rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app. All right, it is Tuesday, a day of transition. It's time to look back at Monday Night Football and also take stock of where uh, where we are at this point in the season. We're almost a quarter of the way through. But first, I need to tell you about a great giveaway we have at FTN where you can get a free, that's right, a free trip to Las Vegas for the Week 13 Raiders-Washington football team game. It is free to sign up, 100% free, no purchase necessary, there are other prizes as well, but the grand prize is $5,000 in value. It includes airfare, hotel, tickets to the game, and more. Click the link in the show description for more details and to sign up. 
producer Tom, Thomas Viola, my sidekick on the controls, connoisseur of pasta and long-suffering, although now triumphant Jets fan. Tom, let's get started with Monday Night Football. Indeed, let's do just that, as the Raiders could not handle the Chargers in their home away from home SoFi Stadium. The Chargers cover the three and a half, three, doesn't matter where you got it. They win 28-14 handily, and the under 51 and a half cashes easily. There was a little bit of a sweat into the fourth quarter, but by the end of the game, you knew where that was going. Justin Herbert, 25 of 38, 222 yards and three touchdowns. Austin Eckler. A good 15 carries, 117 yards on the ground with a rushing TD, and an extra three receptions for 28 yards and a receiving TD. Nice fantasy day for him. And Jared Cook, six receptions, 70 yards, and a touchdown there. Pretty good day to be owning some Chargers. Pretty good day to be on the Chargers in that one. Yeah, and uh, total domination by the Chargers here. Uh, 380 yards to 213 yards, 75 plays to 56 plays for the Raiders. Uh, this this stat really kills me. 25 first downs to 13 first downs, almost double the number of first downs. You look at yards per play, 5.1 to 3.8 yards per play. There is literally nothing that the Raiders in this game did better than the Chargers, uh, which is kind of surprising in that the Raiders had been playing well, and the Chargers' run defense basically begs opposing offenses to run on them. Uh, just the way that they set up their their defense, but the Raiders, even with <laughs> even with Josh Jacobs returning, the Raiders had just two point six seven yards per carry. The Chargers four point nine four yards per carry, and then through the air they were able to do I wouldn't say everything that they wanted, but uh, you know much more than the Raiders. Uh, this was total domination all the way around. Uh, Chargers impressively four or five in the red zone. Uh, this game at one point was kind of close, 21 to 14. But I mean, even then, the, the Raiders were not playing as well as the Chargers. Um, big, big win for the Chargers. Uh, and we were on the under. So, yay. Congratulations for us. The Chargers are now three and one against the spread. They're only against the spread loss. Came in week two against the high flying Dallas Cowboys. The Raiders. Two and two against the spread. They started hot. They've dropped their last two. They're two and one against the spread as a dog. And that that is how I would trust them if I were to bet on them. I definitely don't want to bet on this team as a favorite, uh, but they might be intriguing as a dog. Uh, I think the Chargers, looking at them, they feel like they have a top 10 unit on both sides of the ball. Um, kind of dangerous team. It's hard to know what to make of the Raiders, but uh, the Chargers, I've been impressed with what we've seen through the first four weeks of the season. Matt, the desert is crying today. There is actual drops of rain falling from the sky as the city laments its loss of its perfect season that the Raiders had going. Seriously, I walked outside this morning and there was actual rain. This doesn't happen here, Matt. I don't know what to do right now. You stay indoors and you record a show, Tom. Indeed. That's what you do. <laughs> that is what we do. And right now... We're going to move on to week five, but we're going to do that by looking back because we are at the quarter and a quarter point of the season here. Thanks to the new 17 game schedule doesn't split evenly, but hey, someone thought that was a good idea. So here we are with an extra game. Nobody asked for. We're at the quarter point of the season. We can now start getting a little bit of a barometer on what things are shaping up to be in this season. Obviously, everything's still going to change. We have a long football season left to go. Thank God. 
But right now, there have been some surprises. There have been some disappointments. And there's a lot of good stuff to look back at, starting with who's the best team in the league right now, at least according to Bill Parcells, from what your record says you are. Yeah, the, the Cardinals, uh, they're 4-0. Uh, pretty incredible. And I, I feel like they've uh, they've come by it honestly. You know, they are uh, just in terms of looking at what they're doing on offense. They're number two in the league uh, with 6.6 yards per play. Um, they have an opportunistic defense. They have, in my mind, the front runner for MVP in Kyler Murray. Uh, they have an offense that even if it isn't schemed all that well, I mean, it's pretty basic what they're doing, uh, at least from the, the passing game. Because they have such a dynamic quarterback, it, it doesn't really matter if what they're doing is kind of simplistic. But they, they have great weapons. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins on one side, on one side, AJ Green on the other side, who's really kind of revitalized his career. They have two really intriguing slot receivers, uh, a tight end who's kind of come from nowhere, uh, in Max Williams. Uh, and then on defense, you know, they've got some playmakers. I, I don't, I don't know if we should expect to see this team, um, dominate the way that they have through the four, the first four games. You know, they are going to they're going to lose at some point, right? That just, it's going to happen. But uh, we have seen Kyler Murray since last season when he's been healthy, right? The second half of the year, he had that shoulder injury. I think that really changed the way that he played. Uh, when he has been healthy, he's been an MVP caliber player. And this team has been, I believe now they're 13 and three in the 16 healthy games that he has played since last year. Mm, maybe 10 and three, 11 and three. But the point is they've been pretty dominant. Uh, and so I think we continue to see the Cardinals ascend. I will be curious to see uh, when different power rankings are released uh, today, where people put the Cardinals. Uh, I think they are, if not a top five team, pretty darn close to it. So uh very enthusiastic about what we've seen out of that team so far, especially from uh, a fantasy perspective as well. But from a sports betting perspective, they're still very intriguing. I think the most surprising thing to me, I mean, we kind of knew what this offense was going to be. We knew this was going to be one of those wagons that you'd want to be hitching your hitching to in terms of how good they are producing on the on the offensive side. The defense, I mean, they held the Rams to 20 points. That's not that that's not that's not something to shake a stick at. Yeah, I mean, last year they were horrible. This year, they've been average uh, and opportunistic. So average in terms of yards per play allowed, uh, middle of the road, 5.6 yards per play allowed. Uh, but they have been opportunistic, nine turnovers, number three in the league in turnovers. And that is something that can wax and wane. So I'm, I'm not going to say like we should just assume that this is a ball hawking type of defense, but they are at least good enough now to to keep other offenses honest. Uh, and we've seen that that formula work uh, for the Chiefs. It worked for the Chiefs two years ago. Great offense, good enough defense. And that formula could work for the, uh, it could work for the Cardinals this year. Matt, good teams win, great teams cover. By that metric, are your Dallas Cowboys a great team? 4-0 ATS, 3-1 overall. I, I mean... Uh, uh, I don't know. I I'm really impressed with Kellen Moore. Um, the offensive coordinator who is doing basically whatever he wants. And I think you contrast that to, 
uh, let's just say to the Cardinals, right, who have great offensive players who are making the most of a system that really isn't all that sophisticated. Whereas with the Cowboys, they have great offensive players and they're just doing whatever they want in terms of scheme. Uh, The Cowboys, entirely legit on offense. Top 10 in passing, top 10 in rushing. That offensive line, which for the past few years has been injured, uh, it looks revitalized now. Uh, And all of a sudden they have much more depth than they've had in previous years. I'm impressed by what I've seen from the offense. On defense, (laughs) we've, we've talked about it. I still think that they're pretty fake. Um, they are number two in the league in turnovers. That's great. Congratulations on getting 10 turnovers in four games, but there is no way that the Cowboys continue to capture two and a half turnovers per game for the rest of the season. And then when you look at their numbers, they've allowed the third most yards per play. Uh, so I had 6.4 yards per play, like only the Detroit lions and the Kansas City Chiefs are worse. Like, that's the company that the Cowboys are keeping. So it's great that Trevon Diggs seems like he can intercept every ball that's thrown in his direction. But, I mean, just let me... The, the teams that are better, better than the Cowboys in yards per play allowed, the Jaguars, the Jags at 6.4, are doing better on defense on a yardage per play basis. The Falcons at 6.1. The Texans. This is hurting my stomach to look at the teams that are doing better than the Dallas Cowboys on defense in yards per play allowed. And yards per play, that is a fairly predictive metric. If you're going to choose just one number, right? That's the one that you would choose. So these Cowboys, yes, they are entirely for real on offense. They feel very fake on defense. Uh, and that means, of course, that I, I feel compelled to continue to bet against them and uh, lose more money, which is just fantastic for the bankroll and for my life as a Cowboys fan. I, I was about to say, with, with this team, with these stats, especially with the turnovers being the key difference, they're, they're bound for a regression of the mean and to stop being able to cover all of these games soon. The problem is... You've bet against them every single week waiting for it to happen, and it hasn't happened yet. But I want to jump around for a second here because while the Cowboys, they have the loaded offense and the suspect defense, but it's turnovers keeping them afloat, and it's let them cover all four games this season. Some of the worst teams against the spread, a whole lot of teams are 1-3 and ATS at the quarter mark. But two teams that really have that same mentality of we're just going to have a really great offense and we're going to outscore you, are the Chiefs and the Bucks last year's Super Bowl contenders? They both sit at one and three ATS because those defenses haven't been able to stop anybody and let them cover in some of these games. They've been trying to do what the Cowboys have done, but it's just not working out. And betting on the two teams from the Super Bowl last season not doing well for you right now. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, I was betting on the Chiefs in the first three weeks of the <laughs> first three weeks of the season. I really know how to choose them right? Fantastic job by me on betting on the Chiefs the first three weeks of the season and then not betting on them in week four. Great job. Great job there. That's why we're here. This is a recalibration point. Yes. Uh, Buccaneers betting on them in week four. That didn't really work out either. Um, I I don't know if it's surprising 
that these teams haven't done well against the spread and that maybe the market on them has been overinflated because bookmakers know that donkeys and degenerates like this guy are likely to be betting on the Buccaneers and Chiefs. Uh, so maybe that's something to keep in mind moving forward. There are a lot of other teams, though, that are one and three. And some of these are teams that you would just look at and expect to be one and three, like the Jags, uh, the Steelers. These are teams, the Jets. Sorry, Tom. Right. These are teams that are bad. And so it's this combination uh, where I would say like it's like a dichotomy, really. Like you have on one side of it teams that are good and overinflated in the market. And then you have teams that are bad and worse than the market expects. Um, I think it's worth kind of wrapping our heads around these teams as we move through the season and really thinking about um, if the market has changed or if the market is still lagging on these teams. All right, now real quick, because I want to get on to better things. The Jags and the Lions are both 0-4. Who is the actual worst team in the league? You have 30 seconds. It's the uh, it's the Jags. It's the team that is about to fire their head coach. Uh, if you know rumors are any indication, which are probably not, but it's I think it's the Jags. They have I think more promise for the future because they have Trevor Lawrence, but their defense is total trash. The Lions are at least trying each game, and they're willing to bite off a kneecap. Which uh, you know, in a street fight between two teams that are horrible, the team that uh, is inclined to cannibalism is always the one that's going to win. Put that on a t-shirt. We'll be selling that on FTN.com by tomorrow. All right. Best teams to the under so far this season. We have a couple that are deadlocks. Patriots, Chargers, Steelers, and Broncos. All 4-0 to the under this year. And there's a specific pattern that you can see with some of those teams. And then the Chargers just... I have no explanation. Yeah. The... The Patriots, the Steelers, the Broncos, really easy to spot. These are teams that have very strong defenses uh, and subpar offenses, or we'll say mediocre at best offenses. The Chargers, I think they do have a good defense. Their offense is top 10. I think what changes the dynamic for them a little bit is the way that they play defense and that to this point of the year, they have allowed invited almost forced teams to run on them because of how it is that they are just aligning on defense and if a team is going to run on them the clock keeps running the game slows down it shortens and that tends to drive towards the under so i think it makes sense for all four of these teams for them to have under games i would expect that the market will catch up pretty soon but i mean i still i still look at the broncos and the steelers and i think Yep, those are two under teams. Uh, the same thing with the Patriots. So I, I do think that the under is going to be the sharper side on these teams moving forward, but I don't think we should expect to see total under dominance for these four teams moving forward. And the other way, going to the over, only one team has gone over in all four of their games, and that's the Rams. I mean, it makes sense from an offensive standpoint, but their defense is a pretty solid unit a couple teams at three and one to the over the Cowboys football team and the Buccaneers. Is there any kind of pattern that you can pick out there? Because that a couple teams that do things differently. Yeah, I think it is worth thinking about the Rams because Tom, as you mentioned, they do have 
that high flying offense, it makes sense that we would see games of theirs go to the over on offense. But people also think that the Rams have this elite defensive unit. And at least through the first four weeks of the season, they don't. They have an average or one I might say like an overinflated and overhyped defense at this point. They are number 19 in the league in 5.7 yards allowed per play. Um, they're not creating a lot of turnovers. They're a little bit of bend, don't break. They have two really great all-pro defensive players, right? Aaron Donald on the defensive line. You have Jalen Ramsey at cornerback. That helps elevate the total reputation of this unit. And last year, they were fantastic. But, you know, defensive coordinator Brandon Staley is gone. And defensive efficiency year to year is something that can vary pretty widely. And so this Rams defense simply is just not quite as good. So if you have an offense that is able to put up a lot of points and then a defense that isn't as good as everyone thinks, that inclines to the over. So that specifically is what I think uh, is happening with the Rams there. And then you look at the Cowboys, you look at the Buccaneers, you look at the football team. I think we see a similar thing with all three of those teams. Uh, offenses that can put up points. Uh, the football team, I'd say an offense that is better at putting up points than people would expect. And then specifically with them, they have a defense that has massively underwhelmed allowing opponents to score more points. So that's the formula for them. And then the Cowboys and the Buccaneers, two teams that can score almost at will, paired with two defenses that are overrated. So I think that's why we have the three and one records to the over for those teams. All right, Matt, let's talk about some of the surprises that we've seen, some of the narratives that have been developing that we really maybe didn't expect, starting with that AFC West. We kind of expected it to be a tough division. Uh, obviously, you've got the Chiefs and the Chargers. We figured they would be pretty good. The Raiders and Broncos have both been present, pleasant surprises. How real are they both? I think the Raiders, you have to give their record the teams that they've beaten more weight there than the Broncos, but still, they both sit at 3-1. and one. The biggest surprise here, the Chiefs are at the bottom of the division. They're a game and a half back at two and two. How do you see this shaking out over the long term? I still think the Chiefs are the likeliest team to win the division. Uh, their defense is a problem, but as long as they don't turn the ball over on offense uh, like they did in the first three games of the season, they are fine. They're still able to outscore their opponents. I mean, they're just... They're just a little bit away from being 4-0 and everyone talking about Patrick Mahomes as an MVP candidate. Um, the Raiders, I'm not going to say like they're they're fake at 3-1, and one, but it's hard to know what to make of this team. You could see them having a great season. You could see them falling off the cliff. I just, I don't think I could predict that. The Broncos, we do know that they have a very good defense. You know, a, a top three defensive unit. They're very strong against the pass. Um, I think that is something that can help carry them when they are playing teams that do not have elite quarterbacks. When they're playing the Chiefs, when they're playing the Chargers, it's hard to know if that defense will be enough. And then on offense, they're mediocre with Teddy Bridgewater uh, or maybe slightly above mediocre with Teddy Bridgewater. And then with Drew Locke, they're, uh, they're one of the worst offenses in the league. 
Um, and that's not to say anything about the surrounding talent. It's just to say something specifically about Drew Locke. So we just have to wait and see when Teddy Bridgewater can return. Hopefully it's this week. Um, the Broncos, they feel like a team, they're three and one, a team that could overachieve into a playoff spot uh, just based on their defense and Teddy Bridgewater. Um, but I don't think they're going to be a team, even with a good record that feels like an actual contender. Whereas the Chiefs and the Chargers, they feel like true contenders. The next big surprise, Kirk Cousins. I don't think anybody expected him to be playing as well as he is. 1,100 yards, nine touchdowns to one interception, and a 105 QBR. However, the Vikings sit at just one and three. Now, they're two and two ATS, but do you think that this team will positively regress to the mean here and start winning some more of these games and make them a team that you could actually bet on? Uh, I mean, I don't know. If, <laughs> I don't know if I'd actually want to bet on this team, but I, I mean, yeah, there are certain situations where uh, betting on the Vikings makes sense. They've historically, well, Mike Zimmer as a head coach has historically been very strong against this spread. And then he's always tended to be good at home, uh, good as a favorite, good outside of division. And so, especially when you've had some of those elements all aligning he's historically been really good um the vikings almost won in week one almost won in week two did win in week three and then lost a, a relatively close game in week four going against a head coach who was the former offensive coordinator there so someone who knows that system the coaching staff the players very well you can kind of explain away what has happened to this point in the season. Uh, of course, if you do that, you just sort of run the risk of putting on blinders and not seeing that this team also has some legitimate problems, uh, specifically at cornerback. They're just not equipped to be able to stop a lot of, of what opposing teams are likely to do to them. Um, so I guess that's a way of saying, I don't know what to make of, uh, of the Vikings. Uh, I will probably bet on them in specific situations when I think they have an edge that aligns with uh, the historical edge that Zimmer has had. Um, but this isn't a team that I really want to be aligned with uh, in a prolonged way throughout the season. I think they're going to continue to be teams that uh, a team that like misses some games that they should win. Now, Matt, the next team up, everybody knows the birds aren't real. However, the Cardinals appear to be very real at this point. They were plus 660 to win this division, this very tough NFC West, at the start of the season. Now they said it's 16-1 to win the Super Bowl. We talked about last week, 35-1 to uh, was what they were at before the dominating performance against the Rams. Kyler Murray, like you said, is playing like an MVP candidate. Can they keep this up, though? Yeah, I mean, they're going to lose some games, but at 4-0 what we've seen from their offense and uh, given what we've seen from their defense, that it's good enough. Yeah. I, I think if I had to pick a team now to win the division, it would be the Cardinals. And uh, you know, I don't know if that's hot takey. I certainly have respect for all of the other teams in that division. The Rams are good. The Seahawks are good. The 49ers, the 49ers are good enough. The 49ers are good enough, but um, no, I, I think the Cardinals, I mean, through four weeks, they look like they're the best team in that division and the numbers point in that direction. And the last really big surprising team we got to talk about, 
Uh, I saw this coming because it was the most logical course of action. Sam Darnold and the Carolina Panthers, of course. Of course, Darnold has to leave the Jets and go be good somewhere else. I knew this was going to happen because it's what has to happen. But the Panthers are 3-1, and one, and they've looked good. They slowed down a bit without Christian McCaffrey. That's clearly hurting them a little. They didn't beat the Dallas Cowboys, of course. Darnold threw two interceptions in that game, but Trayvon Diggs is a ball magnet, and he only threw one up to that point. They're 100 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. I'm not saying that that's something you want to go out and be betting on, but plus 175 to make the playoffs. Again, can they keep it up? I'm impressed by what we've seen so far. Uh, I mean, remember Sam Darnold with, I mean, Tom, you know this, but Sam Darnold with all of the trauma, I would say, of the Jets years and specifically the Adam Gase era, uh, had very little support, really wasn't developed in any meaningful way. He's been in this system for just four games. What he's done through four games, I think, has been pretty incredible. Now, he's got good players around him. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey isn't there right now, but uh, three pretty good wide receivers and a very good offensive play caller. Uh, And then supported on the other side with a defense that, um, you know, it's hard to know through four games exactly how legit that Panthers defense is, uh, especially in the second half of that Cowboys game. They've really got taken to task. They're still top 10. They're, they're number six right now in 4.8 yards allowed per play. This is still, I think, a fairly robust unit. Um, they have some injuries. It hurts that J.C. Horn, their, their top pick in this year's draft, that he is out. Um, but I've been impressed by what I've seen so far with this Panthers team. I think that they are a team to continue to back in the betting market, specifically weekly against the spread. Um, I, I don't know if I would go the distance of picking them to win the division, but I, I don't know. You could, you could see how it happens. Like that Buccaneers team, they have significant issues on defense. If the Panthers can somehow sneak out a win in one of those two games against the Buccaneers, then I think it's possible, but make to make the playoffs. I think they have a pretty good chance of doing that. And, and even if they don't, I think week in and week out, they're going to be a team that uh, pretty routinely exceeds expectations. And one last one here, a big disappointment. I mean, we expected the Steelers to not be great, but did anyone expect everyone else in the division to be three and one while the Steelers are one and three? Uh, it's it's pretty amazing. Uh, I mean, it, it's the I wouldn't say the fault of one guy, but uh, it's the result of one guy, and we all know who that is. Uh, ben Roethlisberger is just incredibly old. He should have retired last year. Uh, I think it's kind of sad for the legacy in a way um, that he has played this year. It's sad for all of the other players on that team, sad for the receivers who would like to have balls thrown to them further than five yards past the line of scrimmage. It's just, it's a horrible situation all the way around. Uh, they had a great win in week one against the bills, uh, a very defense driven win, uh, you know, got lucky with a special teams touchdown. I mean, they've looked horrible in the three games since then. That is who they are a horrible team. It feels like this is a team that one should continue to bet against. Now, one of these things is not like the others, but because one of them you expect and the rest of them, you don't individual statistic leaders right now, Derek Henry leads the league in rushing, not a huge surprise. Derek Carr leads the league in passing, and Debo Samuel 
is your league receiving yards leader through four games. Which one of those surprises you? Let's talk about Debo Samuel. Yeah, I mean, Samuel is really intriguing in that he had a fantastic rookie season, like very dynamic as a playmaker, fantastic as a yards after the catch producer. And then he was just injured for far too long uh, in his second season. And then obviously Jimmy Garoppolo was injured in the second season. And so there just wasn't really the continuity or the opportunity for Debo Samuel to develop and to show his his talent. Uh, and so Brandon Ayuk stepped in and did a really good job. I was not expecting Debo Samuel to push Ayuk to the side as cleanly as he has done in this third season. But uh, what we're seeing, <laughs> what we're seeing from Debo Samuel is pretty legit. Uh, 42 targets in four games. He's number five in the league with that number. Uh, now, obviously, it's unlikely that he will continue to be as efficient on a per target basis as he has been to this point, 11.7 yards per target. Um, that is, uh, you know, like Superman level type of uh, efficiency. But even if he comes back down to nine yards per target for the rest of the season, with the overall target usage that he has, he could continue to put up numbers that make him a very strong candidate at the end of the season. The one caveat with him, a lot of this came with Jimmy Garoppolo, and we just do not know what that offense is going to look like with Trey Lance. I would expect that it is more of a run-heavy offense. And so I wouldn't be betting on Debo Samuel to finish as the, the league leader, but I think what we've seen to this point is representative of the overall talent that he has. All right, Matt, because we can't get through a single show without talking about him. Give me one future. Okay. okay. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, we'll, we'll do it. Yes. <laughs> what's what's one potential future that you kind of like on the board? I I cannot believe that uh, I'm actually betting this, but uh, I am. Jalen Hurts at 150 to 1. You can get this at Caesars or at FanDuel uh, to lead the league in passing yardage. Now it might feel as if this is a ridiculous bet to make. And maybe it is, you know, you can just look at the plus plus one fifty or yeah, sorry, one fifty to one odds uh, and see that there's very little chance that he is actually able to pull this off. But through four weeks, he's number nine in the league with 1,167 yards passing and he's number 12 with 146 pass attempts and eight yards per attempt. He's not, again, he's not likely to win the award. But like, ask yourself this question. What is the real difference between Jalen Hurts and Sam Darnold? Darnold has 145 attempts. Hurts has 146. Darnold has 8.1 yards per attempt. Hurts has eight. And Darnold is number six in the league with 1,189 yards passing. They're they're very similar in their yardage totals and how they've gotten to that point. But Darnold at FanDuel is 25 to 1. Like, that's ridiculous. Like, what is the difference uh, between one player and the other? Like, the difference is just perception. Uh, but people don't think of Hertz as the type of, the type of player who could pass for a lot of yards 
but he's gone for 300 yards in four of seven career starts. And like, remember, he has started just seven games. He could improve from here. Like Deshaun Watson led the league last year in passing. And he was on a team that was horrible. Like the Eagles, they're one and three. Yeah, they're not looking too good. That might mean they pass the ball quite a bit. So to get the guy who is number nine in the league in passing right now at 150 to one. And yeah, he's just like 200 yards past or below Derek Carr, who's the leader. Like that could be made up in four games. So I think there's significant value here. All right. Before I let you go here, I got to put you on the spot. This is on the rundown. Who's in the Super Bowl this year? You've got, you've had a quarter sample size. Give me a prediction. Oh, man. Uh, I'm going to go Cardinals-Bills. Uh, I do think that Cardinals team is legit. Uh, I think they have the formula that can get them there. Um, and then the Bills, it looks like they are – I'm not going to say they're all the way back on offense to what they did last year because what they were doing last year on offense was incredible, but they are uh, they're in the same ballpark. And then on defense, they are looking very good. Uh, their ability to shut down uh, opposing teams, especially through the passing game, uh, number one in the league uh, in adjusted yards uh, allowed per attempt. Uh, their ability to impose on defense combined with that offense makes them, I think, a very strong candidate to make the Super Bowl out of the AFC. So I will go Cardinals-Bills. All right, you heard it here from Matt. Now, where, Matt, can people find all the awesome content you're putting out each and every day? All right, you can find all of my written work at the FTN Network on Friday. I put out my fantasy football breakdown. On Thursday, I put out my best bets article. On Tuesday, I publish my first draft of the fantasy football rankings for the week, and I update those on Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday. And then, of course, throughout the entire week, I am publishing in the FTN Bets Tracker, the sides, totals, and player props that I am betting for the week. And you can use the promo code FREEDMAN for 20% off at FTN to access all of that content. All right, that is the show. Please subscribe to the best TV channel on YouTube and rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app. You can find me and Tommy V on Twitter at MattFTheOracle and TV at work. Thanks for joining us and see you again next episode. Markets change. Maybe your retirement dreams don't have to. Allianz provides lifetime income that's guaranteed in any market. It's why we say long live retirement. Visit Allianz at longliveretirement.com. Annuities are issued and guaranteed by Allianz Life Insurance Company of North America. If you enjoyed today's show, please head over to iTunes, give us a rating, and leave a review. Please. 
Please be advised that this podcast is meant for educational and informational purposes only and is in no way a replacement for legal or medical advice. The opinions contained within are solely those of the interviewers and interviewees and should be received as so. Those seeking help or advice are encouraged to obtain professional legal and medical services.